Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's about keeping those ants in line. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed, in all of its forms, greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked upward certain mankind. The sheeple aren't going anywhere. They don't want this sentimentality. They don't want freedom or empowerment. They want to be controlled. They crave the comfort of certainty. The way of life is free and beautiful. We have lost the way. Greed has poisoned many souls. It has barricaded the world with hate. It has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much, feel too little. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. Don't give yourselves to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. trying to free your mind, but I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through it. You have to let it all go. Fear, doubt, and disbelief. Free your mind. Hate to burst your bubble at the start of the show, but as you can see, Kyle's feeling a little under the weather, so we have a uh, insurrection going on. The Heroldian dialectic, John Harold is joining us tonight. You know, last time, despite my misskivings that you filled in, I think it was actually quite a good episode. So, we'll yeah, this will probably here. be the the second most popular defected episode ever, second only to last time I was on. Yep, it's possible. I mean, you know, just kidding. Kyle gets the sniffles, and this is what happens. Hey, man. Better watch his six. No, but we hope man. Kyle feels better. Keep you posted on, you know, he can keep you guys posted on. He'll be back next week. I think he will, but 
and we'll see how that goes. Um, we had a couple topics that Kyle and I had gone back and forth on a little bit. So we're, we're basically going to do a couple of those, but in typical me fashion, I sort of changed everything in my head right before we went live. So we're probably <laughs> going to mostly, mostly wing it. Um, but I'm actually excited to have the Devo man on this show because I know you do talk about narrative. Like you do bring up narrative warfare on the power hour. We talk about it because obviously it's a part of, it's a part of devolution. It's a part of, it's a big part of everything that's going on, but we're often mixing in a lot of actuals and everything on power hour, you know, like this is what we think this person did. This is what this, yeah. these, this, these are the executive orders that were signed and implemented uh, and tonight, I want to hit a couple of Devo topics from a purely narrative perspective. Big picture, not just the narratives, but the why. And I think, based on our exchange before the show, we uh, actually agree on pretty much most of this stuff with Devolution. So it should be interesting. Yeah, it should but be before, fun. Yeah. Before we get into that, I'm going to hit some boosts that came in from last week. So if you guys... You can either send Rumble rants over. We'll get to those at the end of the show. Um, if you don't want to support through Rumble or if you're watching on replay, obviously go to badlandsmedia.tv, hit the support button at the top, and you can submit a boost. So we got some in here. We got Vicky Dirk sent 10 bucks in, said, I've enjoyed Kyle and BB for so long, and Defected's now my favorite on Badlands. I never miss it. Thank you. Keep it up. Trump 2024. Did you go through and pick like all the... The boosts that were like defect is my favorite. Defect, it's the best ever. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm just reading what the people put in. Man. Hey, this right, is in chronological you. order. Jimmy Russell, that's a fantastic name. Haven't seen him before. <laughs> Guessing that that's a reference. Uh, sent ten bucks over. Said, wait, Grand Prix isn't French for large penises. Damn it, Kyle. I'm so disappointment. Disappointed. <laughs> Bit of a strange one. Um, was yeah, that Fred Awakening? The great thing here is that it annoys John more, but I will say I don't love Kyle's F1 rants either, even though he lets me go on UFC rants. It doesn't even annoy me. Like nothing you guys do actually annoys me. I just, when I know it's like, I'm the one running the show, I'm very like (laughs) conscientious of like, okay, people probably don't want to come into the devolution power hour and hear hear about paint drying on cars and <laughs> that was the most that was the perfect encapsulation <laughs> of how most people like feel when he's talking about f1 and then he's actually talking about paint on the car literally paint drying but <laughs> hey but your show man a... i i will listen to you can this could be all about this could be an hour and a half two hours of just you ranting about lord of the rings and i wouldn't say a damn word man this is all you is a huge missed opportunity. I did not have <laughs> enough notice tonight to know that this could have been what we did. I did see Dune though. Speaking oh, did of you? genre fiction, I saw Dune Part Two on Friday, and I have a funny little anecdote about that. I I saw it with uh, Mrs. Bright, and she'll watch that kind of stuff with me, but she's not like usually super into it. She liked Lord of the Rings more than she thought she would. I've sort of corrupted her. Dune was interesting, and Julian's Rum on Thursday actually said the same thing happened with his wife. He'd shown her Dune Part 1. I showed Mrs. Bright Dune Part 1. And she really, really liked it. Like, a lot more than she usually likes that kind of movie. To the point where she read the first two Dune books. So this might be the first time that we went into, like, a genre 
sci-fi or fantasy movie and she knew the story that was coming in the books and it was funny because no spoilers i thought it was i think it deserves the hype it's getting i think it's filmmaking wise close to a masterpiece it was great but on the way home i was kind of bitching about stuff but she was bitching about it more than i was and it was a perfect reversal of for so long we would go to these movies where I knew the source material and we'd come out of it and it became a joke in our relationship where she'd go, oh, how'd you like the movie? And my first response would be, it was really good, but... And yeah. I would just start rattling off, well, they did... I don't know why they did this. And in the book, this happened and I don't know why they changed it this way. And this time she did that for about a half an hour on the way home. She's like, they gave this line of dialogue to this other character and they changed this character's story arc. And I just don't understand why they did it. And she's like, oh my God, now I understand what it feels like (laughs) to have read all this stuff. And then you go into the movie, you're expecting to see what you read. And you're just like, why did you do this? Why have you changed it in this way? Well, first of all, I can't believe your movie theater is over a half an hour away. That's a long ass way to go to have to watch a movie. Um, but I, I really liked the first Dune. I more, I'm more of a nerd with this stuff than I let on. I, yeah. I, I enjoyed that genre of of film, um, and I did enjoy the, the the first film a lot. So I was very curious and excited about the second one. I haven't seen it yet because I have my kids this week, so I probably won't for a little while yet. But I'm excited. Was it better than the first one? Yeah, man, it's hard. Like it's it's funny, and that again, this isn't really a spoiler, but I, I I think that it's being a little bit mismarketed. I think it's being marketed as a war movie, and that's the aspect of it that I'll say I was disappointed in. I thought it was super well acted, but I thought, you know, they make it seem like it's going to be this big war, and I wouldn't go in expecting like a two towers. We're going to get an hour long back and forth battle scene. That's not really what they do. And I, again, it's not a specific plot point spoiler, but the thing that Mrs. Wright and I were both a little annoyed at is I was praising Dune on Cultural Heretics on Thursday for largely avoiding modern politics, like Mm. threading that in. And this isn't on the nose, but they, they sort of reduced the roles of some prominent male characters in the book and they elevated the roles of a prominent female character and it felt like they were doing that like they gave they gave the female character Mm. some things to do that she didn't do in the book and it felt to me like this was studio executives saying hey the female isn't doing quite enough here we have to have her make more of these decisions and I'm just not a big fan of that. I, it's like if you're translating the book, there's a reason the characters do the things they do. So yeah, and, and honestly, like even in in that genre of film, if the female isn't spending the majority of her time in the kitchen, it's just it's too unrealistic for it's it to true. be. That's yeah, that, I get belong. it, man. Totally mm-hmm. get it. It's where the it's, it's where the women folk belong. Yeah, it, but, but is that one of those movies where like literally all the fight scenes are in the trailer, and so like you've seen them all before? Pretty you? much. Yeah, I pretty hate much. That. And yeah, it's it, it it annoys me because they had the budget and uh, I'm a big believer in storytelling through action. And I know I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan and all the rest of it, right? I, I love the books. But even in the film world, the Two Towers and the Battle of Helm's Deep is widely considered the best 
the best action scene or the best battle scene ever put on screen. And the reason isn't because it looks super cool, even though it does, right? It's because that battle is staged in such a way that it tells a story and they cut away from it and then you cut back to it and there's been time that's passed in the battle and they've reached a different stage. And I feel like there's a lot of directors who just think that the battles are like noise and action scenes and they don't, they don't think it's serving a narrative purpose. But it's sort of like you've been building up to this through two movies now. You've been building up to this big war and you've got to let the people kind of live in that war a bit instead of it. It feels anticlimactic when they do that. So, again, you know, my one my one grub with uh, Helm's Deep is who puts a sewer drain yeah. right there like that? A little silly. It's very silly. <laughs> very silly. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, yeah, I'd recommend it. It's funny. It's a it's the type of movie I come out being like, it's super good, but a lot of nitpicks that bother me. I think it's because when you get so close to being a masterpiece, it almost is that much, it's that much more disappointing when I feel like you were just there. So it's, it is close. It's just not there. It's close, but who knows? Ask me in a week and maybe I'll hate it or I'll like it more. <laughs> Do you consider the Lord of the Rings? Sorry, to, I mean, this is a no, show I can talk about this all day on. So do you consider like Lord of the Rings to be a masterpiece then? Yes. And what's interesting about that is they do make Peter Jackson did make changes to the books. So some people will accuse me of being like a book purist and oh, if, you, if they make any changes, you hate it. Uh, it's not the case. There's a lot of changes they make in the Lord of the Rings, but I think they're true to the spirit of it. What annoyed me about Dune was that, again, there's like lines of dialogue that are given to a female character that a male character says. And it's not just that they did that politically. It's that you've now changed the whole story arc of these characters by doing that. You, know, you can't yeah. you can't just flip flip it like that. So I do think Lord of the Rings is a masterpiece. And it was funny coming out of Dune. I was like, man, nobody's nobody's going to beat that. Like nobody's going to beat Lord of the Rings. I thought maybe this would this would come close. Oh, oh well, uh, Casherman. Since 17 over said, I received a postcard today from Gallup panel inviting me to create an account with my contact info, which will allow me to participate and follow up Gallup posts. I do not own a landline and will communicate via my cell phone. Can't wait to skew their liberal agenda toward Trump and our Patriot agenda. Appreciate all that you do, Kyle and BB, to educate, calm my fearful mind. May God continue to bless you, your families, and America. They probably just won't use you if you do not fit the narrative they're trying to push. I know those those polls are so funny when you look into the the sampling. You know, it's like oh, oh sampled sixty eight percent Democrats. Yep, and some of those like they won't even put their sampling out. Like you have to dig right. more than I have on most of my research work just to find out who the hell they sampled. It's, it's yep. ridiculous. Uh, Anto B sent twenty bucks over. Said great show. I never listen live as I'm in the UK where the history comes from. I'm a big F one fan that used to play in a metal band. So always enjoy your chats. Susie Dent is an expert in the English language, including its history. Here is her video explaining the history of the F-bomb. Sent a YouTube link over to check that out. History yeah, of we the F-bomb. Yeah, I don't know what the context was. Oh, I think that was been a little bit of people coming at us for a few weeks. A small number of people being like, you cussed too much. or You said the F-word a few too many times. And again, we don't even swear much. But... It was on cultural heretics, swore a few times. and You should watch so the we were Saturday just, Power Hour. <laughs> yeah. Right. We were talking about, um, Kyle was talking about how, you know, people kind of need to get over these words because we can we can use them in ways other than what they were originally intended. It's one of those things, um, you know, our culture has been programmed to be offended 
by everything. And swear words is one of those things. And so, I mean, I don't like, I don't try to swear, but I also don't try not to. Yeah. Like that was if, exactly my point is that I'm not going to go out of my way to try to, to try to swear. But, uh, but if I'm thinking about not doing it, I'm not going to be authentically just speaking my thoughts. Yeah. So like, I'll admit, I, I don't have a very robust vocabulary. And so sometimes I don't know another word other than the F word or something. And hey, it's going to slip out. It is what it is. That's what you say to your mom, like when before she's going to wash your mouth out with soap when you're a kid. You're like, I don't know any other words, mom. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally have had my mouth washed out with soap one time. Really? Yeah. One time. I don't that remember what I did. I always thought that was a big myth, but. <laughs> I, I don't even think I, I don't remember what I said. I think I said something in church I wasn't supposed to say. I don't, I'll have to ask my mom about that. But I, I vividly remember it happening. I just don't remember why. My mom so. did drop me in the driveway once when I was like a teenager because I left the house and, and said that dropped an F-bomb at her. She like dropped F you? Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> I said F you and slammed the door. And I'm walking. I had this big. She didn't really hit me that hard. It was more like I had this huge backpack on. And I'm like walking down the end of my driveway. I hear footsteps behind me oh, and I turn around and as I'm turning, it was just like, boom, and just dropped right in the driveway. <laughs> like It's completely shocked. But it was so funny because I was just like, yeah, like even in the moment, I completely deserved it and was like, I understand why that just happened. And uh, <laughs> that will not happen again. <laughs> so, oh, that's so funny. I've never been physically abused by my parents. Uh, just a little bit, some light, just some like Boston light, light little love taps. Yeah, that's okay. I probably deserve to have been though. We'll, we'll have to ask my mom. I think my mom is coming to the Deadwood Gart, so everybody will get to meet her. And so, I'm both excited and scared about that. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, you, Kristen. I mean, uh, Kristen. My Mrs. Bright and I often talk about how, um, you can tell when somebody's not been punched in the mouth. Like around here, it just so yeah. happens that. If you get punched in the mouth by your mom, it's a different level. Yeah. I, I would say you you come <laughs> off as the type of guy who doesn't does not who seem doesn't like seem like it happened, right? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Maybe it's like uh maybe I've been hit in the mouth too many times. Yeah. And now I'm just immune to it. You're over it. Yeah. Cato uh Cato Hawk sent ten bucks over says, Another great show, fellas. Do all my do all my Badlands listening post live and mostly while talking while walking our two GSDs through the woods, this boost is for the literal LOL moment when I just had to stop and rewind to watch Kyle pour press in as BB described the douchiest way possible. <laughs> Good chuckle. Thanks for doing what you do. I think that's referring to Kyle's, um, Kyle's press coffee that he was going on a big ramble about. But Oh, did, did he do his... He ramp. did the whole thing. He was saving it up from, from last Wednesday night. He's like, you know what? I'm doing my whole coffee rant and uh he did it and i mean it was educational some people some people liked it and yeah. worked it in i mean we, we we did get a a post i think it was on what or a boost on wednesday like people were mad at me for not letting you guys talk about that stuff like could you imagine if, if i let you guys go on about all that stuff as long as you wanted and then also try to get to the stuff that i want to cover on the show <laughs> it wouldn't work <laughs> we, we would be here till like 2 a.m no joke I fully support that. It makes sense. No, this is this is the meandering show. This show is about narratives, so there's little narrative rabbit trails in the midst of the narratives. Yeah, and, we let uh, you guys start an hour and a half earlier than 
the normal mm-hmm. late show. Just yeah. you can go as long as you and go desires. an hour and a half later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. <laughs> We're a little better about that these days. Uh, yeah. Two German shepherds. That's twice as many as one German shepherd. So I can't imagine that. Uh, jelly. Oh, got a couple more jelly. Jelly's also jelly salsa sends ten bucks over. Says hi from Taiwan. I watch every week. Re the use of cuss words. I look on cuss words the same way I look at spices for cooking. You can eat plain fare like you might find in a monastery, or you can liven up the foods with salt, pepper, etc. Cuss words are not for the faint of heart. I would view them as the jalapenos, habaneros, delicious to some but anathema to others. I like that. That's well said. And and to that point, to stretch that analogy further, if you go to India and you see people eating a bunch of spicy food and you don't like it, are you going to tell all of them to stop eating it? Probably no. not. Probably not. You just deal with it. It is weird uh, how that, that food like gives them a distinct smell yep. everywhere they go all the time. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Irish people just smell like potatoes. Do you really? I used to, when, I went to, really uh, when I went to college in, in Grand Forks, there's a potato factory on one side of the highway. So like my apartment um, for my second and third year was pretty much right across the highway from it. And yeah, it, it just always smelled like like McDonald's essentially. It was <laughs> potato factory. And then anyway. one more for now. Gilpin Girl sends 20 over, says love defected. JH and BB are a great team bouncing ideas and truths off each other. You guys need to convince Kate to do French press with a Badlands and defected logo. <laughs> It's a good opportunity. Yeah. Brand Anybody knows how to make a... I wonder... I'm sure there's a French press factory or something we could yeah. white label. I'm sure he's right about that making the best coffee, you know, the way he does it. But I also don't like super strong coffee. So it probably would be good, but not the kind I like. For me, it's about like the efficiency of it. Like I... It doesn't take me long to just like whip up a pot of coffee... And even while it's brewing, I can be doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, it just sounds very labor intensive. The, and I didn't even listen to any of what he said. Just the 30 seconds before I interrupted him, I was like, this is way too much. I'm not doing this. Yeah. Having seen the rant he did go on on Defected, it was the right move to not allow that to happen on Power <laughs> Hour. Because <laughs> it was probably about seven minutes, I would say. Uh, you know, valuable information for some, for, for three people in the audience. But, you know. Okay, so how, how long do you think that process takes him to for him to make his coffee every day? Maybe 15, 20 minutes. It didn't seem that long, but it doesn't seem like it makes that much. That's the problem. I like to make a pot of coffee so I can keep going back to it. Yeah, it takes you like, what, long. 30 seconds to whip up a pot of coffee? Maybe a minute yeah. if you have the new loaded gun coffee where you have to grind the beans. Which I'm drinking right now, actually. Oh, I, sh- I should. I, that's what I've been drinking all day. But that's like you, you just whip it up press the button, go back to work, and then come get your coffee when it's done. It's very whip efficient. it up and whip it out. That's basically my philosophy of life in general. <laughs> That's how you met Mrs. Bright. Yep. That's exactly it. Just whip, <laughs> just, 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 just whipped it out. Yep. We're right, uh, right off the rails at the start. Uh, now, some people in the audience may not know this. I don't know if I've mentioned it, but true story about Mrs. Bright. We were actually talking about this when we went out last night. Uh, her first words to me, she tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and she said, why are you being such a creep? She came up to you to say that? I remember you she telling did. me about this. She I find did. that funny. Yep. 
People think I'm making it up until she tells them what happened was we were in a club on a on a cruise ship and two girls had come up to me one after the other and I was talking to them and then they went away and apparently both times she had been walking over to me. So then she turned around. She's like, she walked over to me. This girl came up to me. She turned around. Same thing happened again. So then when she came up to me, she was already the jo- the joke in our marriage is that the first time she met me, she was already mad at me. <laughs> so when she walked up to me, she just said, why are you being such a creep? Because I was near the dance floor, but I wasn't with anybody or dancing with anybody. So she said she accused me of being a creep. And so I was we, I don't know. clearly like she she liked it. Like, why would she? Why would she come up to somebody she thought was a creep? Tell the chat, Mrs. Bright. Tell the chat it's true. Tell them you were jealous. She says, joke's on me since I ended up with him. (laughs) Joke's on both of you somehow. So she knew. She just, she knew how to like hack the brain. I was was like, this is intriguing. No woman has ever just come up to me and blatantly insulted me to start our courtship. So I was interested. It works. Uh, That's why why me and you get along so well. It's true. I actually, blatantly insult yeah. you. One of the first things John ever said to me called me a creep as well. <laughs> why are you emailing me so much, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why are you being such a creep? <laughs> All right, let's get our first couple sponsors. All right, who do you want in. first? Let's do Mid Atlantic. All right, man. All right, Mid Atlantic Business Alliance with renewal season and open enrollment behind us. It's important to note that we at Mid Atlantic Business Alliance are still able to enroll you in Cigna PPO insurance plans. David Becker and his son Jesse of Mid Atlantic Business Alliance are here to help you get the best possible PPO insurance at affordable rates. If you think the cost of groceries has exploded, you should see what the hospitals are charging these days. Without the proper PPO protection, you could be liable for tens of thousands of dollars in the event of a surgery or hospital stay. Mid-Atlantic Business Alliance has been helping small businesses and self-employed individuals save money and get the best possible insurance protection since 1990. Having a great nationwide network like Cigna will help you keep your costs down while providing the highest level of coverage. Call David to get a free quote today at 609-577-8557 or visit badlandsmedia.tv slash becker. That's 609-577-8557 or badlandsmedia.tv slash becker talking to becker every now and again great guy hardcore supporter and i always love the sponsors it's not it's not blowing smoke to say the ones that are like he is into this stuff all the time as much as any of us are all he's digging way. into all this stuff yeah the joke used to be like when when he first came out as a sponsor like he didn't even care about his business i mean i mean it, it's about engaging with people in the community you know and i used to sell insurance and when i worked at state farm part of that book was health insurance and it honestly, like literally, it never makes sense to me why people would not just get a, a quote. Like get a, if you have insurance, you're paying for it yourself. Right. Why not get a quote to see if you can save money and especially support somebody in the community who shares your morals? Dave, David's one of those guys. Faux show. We got a gold co up next. All right. Okay. Are you concerned about the $6 trillion at stake in the upcoming 2024 election? The Wall Street Journal has reported a critical issue, the looming decision on extending tax cuts scheduled to expire after 2025. Republicans advocate for extending Trump's tax cuts while the Democrats lean toward letting them expire and increasing taxes on top earners and corporations, potentially creating a massive $6 trillion gap. But fear not, there's a way to protect yourself from this impending threat. Join the thousands of hardworking Americans who've taken proactive steps to safeguarding their savings. 
Visit BadlandsGold.com to claim your free 2024 gold and silver kit and fortify everything you've worked for. You may even qualify for up to 10% back in bonus silver, but hurry, supplies are limited. Don't leave your financial future to chance. Act now to diversify and shield your savings against the uncertainties ahead. Get your free 2024 gold and silver kit today. BadlandsGold.com. Take control of your financial destiny. I said last night, I don't think I said it on air, but I said in the chat, you guys need to get your physical gold and silver so you can beat people over the head with it and steal their Bitcoin. <laughs> I know. it's uh, There's a lot of signal going on with that lately. I even like played with the idea of doing Bitcoin narrative, if we could do a Bitcoin narrative topic, but okay. people are get my ears, upset about it. Are my ears pink? Because social Sheila in the chat said, asked why my ears are so pink. Well, now I are. can see that they are. That's strange. Are you okay, man? I don't know. Maybe not. Somebody's talking about you. My daughter was coloring earlier, mm. but I think she was coloring with blue, so I don't know if I would have got that in my ears. Maybe I have high blood pressure or something. Because I have to freaking manage burning bright. <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All it's right. Uh, okay, let's get into the so topics, bro. First topic, you... Probably talked about this last night. I know we uh, we mentioned it before the show, and it's been a big it's been a big story the last twenty four hours or so. The too big to rig um, branding, so to speak, or quote from Trump. I actually have Storm's tweet and video here. If um, if we want to play that, just for a refresher, let's do it. All right, in case anybody missed this, this was Trump over the weekend. Let me make sure. All right. Let me know if you can hear this. And I will secure our elections. Our goal will be one day voting with paper ballots and voter ID. But until then, Republicans must win. We have to win to get it done. And we want a landslide that is too big to rig. Too big to rig. That's what we need. Because they're going to be cheating, and they're cheaters, and we're going to be watching them, and we're going to prosecute. We're going to, if we get in, we're going to catch them, and we're going to do things that were never done before. Okay, so most of us have seen it. Seems kind of simple on its surface, and uh, I know you guys touched on this last night. I think it was Chris. I can't. I don't know if he said this publicly or if it was in private chat or something, but. He had used the, uh, I think it was publicly, I saw him in True Socials, used the word branding or brand when it came to this statement. And I thought that that was a brilliant way to frame it and kind of set us up well for Defected, where obviously we're focusing more on the narrative. We've talked a million times on Power Hour. We'll probably talk a million more about what we actually think is going to go on on November 5th. Is there going to be an election? Is there not going to be an election? Is he going to win? Is he going to lose? You know, all those scenarios. But I'm really interested in the tightrope, the narrative tightrope, that it seems like Trump has to walk. There's super viable reasons that people in this community believe we're definitely going to win on November 5th. There's viable reasons that people like us are much more skeptical of that. You know, Chris is probably the most openly skeptical of saying flat out doesn't think we're going to win on November 5th. I think you kind of lean more toward that, right? You know, if you, if you had to guess. Yeah. But um, but on that with night, with, uh, with the with the caveat that I do think Trump ends up being inaugurated 
mm-hmm. as the next president. But right. I think I think they steal it. And I think we right. got evidence and kind of proof to that narrative last night. Yeah. But so I want to set that up to say and not to focus on what we think is going to happen. Sometimes, you know, the reason I know I'm, I'm massaging this, but sometimes the chat and people in this community, it's an emotional topic. We got rug pulled in 2020. People don't like hearing that some of us think we're going to get rug pulled again. G Money on Rug Pull Radio always talks about it, right? And people kind of get triggered about it. So it's not to focus on what is going to happen there. It's to say, if we all agree that that's a distinct possibility, and no matter what you think about, no matter how much opium you want to take, no matter how hopeful you are about us overcoming the fraud on November 5th, it is a fact that it is possible it's going to be stolen. We know this because we already witnessed this happen. We witnessed them steal it in 2020. Some of us think not enough meaningful has changed. What I'm interested in is Trump's messaging. And the way I would set this up is the reason I'm so interested in his messaging regarding the election is because I do think it's a tricky balance where if it's possible that the election is stolen again, it's difficult for Trump to go out there and just say we're going to win. We're definitely going to win. We're going to overwhelm the fraud. The newest branding is too big to rig. But I actually think that this statement was pretty interesting to me because I think he was having his cake and eating it too a little bit here. But I'm curious to know how you think, you know, when you hear that 30 second soundbite, what do you think he is trying to communicate to the MAGA base about the 2024 election? Well, it's fascinating, okay? Because think about what he said here. He said that we need to get to a one-day voting system, like one-day only, valid voter ID, all this stuff. But we can't get there unless we're in control. We can't make any changes. We can't prosecute the people for cheating or any of this stuff unless we have the power to do so. And he says the only way for us to do that is to make the... We we have to show up in such big numbers that it's too big for them to rig. But I want to play one more clip, Mm -hmm. just a portion of a clip from a different part of the speech, okay? Because we heard him just say they're going to cheat. They're going to be cheating. And then he describes their method of cheating in this clip. And I, I have it to the right timestamp, I think. But they don't really need that because what they do is they just use blank ballots. You know, they just drop by. So they don't really have to destroy our country for that. Although when you use blank ballots, I would say that's also destroying our country. He was talking about illegal aliens and like that's why mm-hmm. they're bringing them in for voting. But he's like, but really, they don't need it because they just use blank ballots. So not only does he say they're going to cheat, but he says the method they do it is with just feeding the machines with blank ballots. Doing it in that fashion, you can you can get to whatever vote total you want. So technically, the way he described it in the speech last night, there is no amount of, of voter fraud that could technically be overcome, which is very interesting of him to say. But like we've we've been talking about this for a while um but we probably haven't like really gone in as deep on the narrative is when mm-hmm. when he actually says too big to rig i don't think he's actually talking about the actual end of the day vote totals or like the like i don't think there's a threshold of which we can or you know that they're going to stop cheating like these people mm-hmm. don't have morals this is like they're they're backed into a corner this is the most important election in history, I mean, we keep saying that with every election, but every each one, one is, is right. <laughs> yeah, each one gets more important. And I, I don't see how these people with a, a media that is still willing to cover for them, albeit not as many viewers, 
with the three-letter agency still on their side and with a lot of the world leadership on their side, I think they're going to do it again. I, I don't think they care. They don't care. They don't care what it looks like. They don't care how ridiculous it is. They will do whatever it takes to make sure that Trump is not in office. Yeah. With that said, I don't think that matters. It's it's the narrative. Like when he says too big to rig, he is talking about the court of public opinion. We need so many people in this country that are going to be at the point of like, well, that's bullshit. Uh, you know, not not willing to accept it. And that's what was missing in in 2020. 2020, they stole it. And I would argue that that was too big to rig. Like they they did a lot of cheating in 2020, but there was still a good percentage of the population that was whatever, whatever, mean tweets, whatever. Like the country, yeah. Biden can't be that bad, right? But now they've experienced Biden and it is that bad and worse. And so now it's, it'll, it'll be different this time around and the vote totals be so much different. We were talking about a New York poll, um, New York Times poll from last night. 99% of Trump's voters say they will vote for him again. And then like something like 10% of Biden voters say they won't vote for Biden. And that right, right. there is, if you look at the last election, Huge. is 8 yeah. million, 8 million votes-ish of a swing, which is, I mean, basically 50-50, but we, you know that it's a skewed poll regardless. So, yeah, I mean, I just don't see how they can narratively get away with it this time. And that's what I think he means by too big to rig. I don't think he actually means that we can outvote the cheating because he, he he says that you can't with how they do it. I I completely agree. You, you mentioned this before the show, court of public opinion, uh, that it's basically verbatim how I see this too. Uh, and, you know, I see people on the chat. We, we, we always see this and I understand where the reaction comes from, but where people say it's a negative talking point or something like that. Uh, I totally disagree with that. Um, I think that you know, the, the point of bringing this up tonight isn't isn't to say, isn't to doom out, isn't to say they're going to rig it, they're going to steal it, and that that's a dooming take. That's why often we try to massage this where <clears throat> we could be wrong, but we both have the opinion that uh, Trump will be inaugurated as the next president. Does that happen on the normal timeline? It always does. I have no idea. This whole thing has been so crazy. It's unprecedented. You always bring up the the truth, uh, unprecedented fraud requires unprecedented solution, right? Uh, these are unprecedented times. So I think it's as, yeah, there we go. Unprecedented fraud requires unprecedented cure. We, we're in unprecedented times. I think it's as viable that there is no election, as it is viable that we overwhelm the fraud, as it is that Trump is inaugurated in January despite us uh, losing. But to your point, I think it's, Im it's important because the actuals are impossible for us to predict in terms of how are they going to cheat in 2024? Are patriots somehow able to counter those cheating efforts? Uh, the narrative becomes the, the signal. The narrative becomes the only thing I think that's worth engaging with besides just a, a thought experiment kind of way. And I like the way you frame that with the court of public opinion. Some people would look at what Trump said here. Let's say for the sake of argument, we lose on November 5th, 2024. We lose the election according to the media, according to the votes that are displayed to the American people. Some would look back on these kinds of statements by Trump when he's saying too big to rig, and they would accuse him of lying or misleading MAGA, right? And sort of saying, oh yeah, he's playing the disinfo game. And I think a lot of Q followers do this. I am a Q follower, but I think a lot of them, they'll 
they'll sort of take anything Trump says and they'll, if they like it, they'll say that it's disclosure. If they don't like it, they'll say disinfo is necessary, right? Like you can kind of, you get to have it both ways. That's not how I see this. I think that Trump is telling you at some of the clips you just showed there, he's basically telling you, we can't stop the fraud. They're going to steal it again. They're going to try to steal it again. They stole it last time. But I want everybody out there voting because the more people that vote, I don't think it's about the vote totals. And I think you agree that it's not necessarily about the vote totals. Of course, somebody would be able to have access to those vote totals. Chris says this a lot. Somewhere on the back end, if patriots are what we think they are and they have access to the information we think they do, it's obviously still important that we actually do win the real vote totals. I don't think that those vote totals are what we're going to be told on election night, just like in 2020, like you said, we won that election too, but they just announced a different result to us. And I don't think it's because they had all these fake votes. I think it's because whoever controls the story controls the country and they just told us that Trump won and they gave Biden enough votes for him to win. This is about getting enough people engaged in the voting process to get Trump in there. I use the word damages a lot when it comes to the info war. And I think with the war of stories, damages is all about the psychological damages. If you went out and voted for Donald Trump in 2020, you felt personally assaulted by and subverted by what happened. If you didn't, then you didn't necessarily feel that way. So I think that what Trump's doing here is he's not lying. He's saying, everybody get out there, vote. And then even if they do steal it from us, we're going to have more people engaged. And the second half of his message that I want to get your response on, if he was so sure that we're just going to win on November 5th and everything's going to be honky-dory and everything's going to be cool, why is he continuously recently threading in how we're going to prosecute everybody who's stealing these elections, right? Yeah. It's I don't think it's just about that he's going to go after the people who try to steal the elections. I think it's about he's setting that narrative of saying, vote, we're going to make it too big to rig, but when they steal it, we're going to throw the full weight of the, the law at them for doing so. Yeah, so a, a couple points on this. Uh, number one, like for the people who can't handle the thought process of, hey, they might steal this again. I, I think in, in theme of your show, Defected, being able to like actually defect from the narratives of being able to like examine all possibilities and look at what is most logical and not getting emotional about it either way. Because I, I do think still it is most logical that the people who stole the election from Trump in 2020 will not allow him to get back power through the same means. Like they're not just going to let him get back in. And I think it was you who had that great rant back in, you know, shortly after the midterm elections about this i think it makes the most sense that they try to steal this again and i like ridiculously try to the point of them succeeding and i think it's okay to be able to talk about that stuff mm -hmm. and understand that yeah bad things can happen and and even knowing that they're going to do it and probably succeed initially i don't think that's a bad thing necessarily either knowing that might happen is and is going to come that that's okay like think didn't jesus know that he was going to get crucified like way right. before he got crucified right did it stop him from going through it? No. Yeah, that's not a black pill. No, it, it's like it's, it's it was a necessary step. And so I think this is a necessary step as well, especially in terms of the Great Awakening. Um, right. So that's one of it. And then the, the second part of this that, that I go back and forth on all the time is like knowing, knowing who Trump is, knowing all the moves that he made, 
and knowing that he he didn't necessarily just walk away like he 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 narratively walked away we don't know what guardrails he actually left in place but i think one of the things that he had to have left in place is his return i've talked about this before quite a bit there's no way in my mind that trump would have walked away and left anything to chance like i think his return is cemented in in some fashion i don't i don't know what that is but you could look at this in so many ways like maybe none of this is even maybe this is just completely narratively in like an election like this is just a narrative election that's it it doesn't it doesn't even matter what happens in this election it's all narrative there's something else going on we've also we haven't seen the supreme court get involved in this yet mm -hmm. which trump said he was going to do you know he, he keeps referring to the supreme court like hey if the supreme court just saw the evidence this would be overturned in a second whatever well then why isn't he taking this to the supreme court himself personally which he could have done he has the standing he hasn't done that yet maybe he does that later i don't know but um what was your first question again um, well, I, I wanted to focus in on, I, I love all that, but I, I was focusing in on his, his uh, narratives that about prosecution regarding election fraud. I don't think he, I don't think it makes as much sense for him to be forwarding those narratives if he's yep. not saying they're going to, they're going to pull out all the stops. I know some people think, oh, they're going to fail and then he's going to prosecute them anyway. But I think it's more about uh, if you, if you do actually get the rug pull again, you get, as you said, court of public opinion, you get the mass public mandate for the justice that we want to see. That's why, as you said, I know, you know, people can think, oh, we're focusing more on the eventuality of them stealing it. Yeah, yeah. like you said, it's better to focus on that. It's not it's not a doomer's take to focus on it. It's the art of war stuff that all the Q followers always bring up and, and people bring up in this community. Yeah, a, a great general wins a battle before he takes the field, but he does that by considering all of the ways in which he could be stopped and then countering those ways. One of those, the biggest one, is a stolen election. We both believe, and many in this community believe, that there is a solution, there is a counter to even another stolen election. So I'm I'm looking at when he's threading in, too big to rig, we're going to get him, we're going to beat him, but then he goes into all these details about how, but when we don't, we're going to prosecute them, and we're going to do something you've never seen done before. So guys, if we're just going to have a normal election on November 5th, 2024, why would we have to see things we've never seen before in the aftermath of this election? You know, so it, you've got to engage with those. And, and I just wanted your take on, do you think he's been changing that narrative? You know, he's been using the prosecution word a little more lately as we get closer. Yeah. What's what's really funny about this, too, is like, think about what he's saying. He's like, we're going to prosecute these people for cheating and stealing an election, but they're also going to cheat using blank ballots in this election. And just like those two things again side by side like he's that's an impossible scenario I, and i i keep trying to wrap my head around this he is basically saying the scenario in which he outlines which would require us the only way we could prosecute these people is by winning and overcoming the cheating yeah and the system of cheating he lays out is impossible to overcome it makes no sense <laughs> which is like, why we need to prosecute them yeah it's it's a it's a uh it's a contra it's a paradox printing um, blank ballots like you cannot which overcome is why there has to, yeah this this dovetails into I guess I'll I'll kind of dovetail it. It's the same topic, but I had sort of half formed an idea for a devo a devo narrative topic here. And this is you you kind of set it up perfectly. So I think just cards on the table. When you said this could all be a narrative election, we have no way of knowing, right? There's a lot of this stuff that we're never going to know. No, we're just trying to read the tea leaves. We're trying to read the gravity of events and narrative deployments. We think that Trump knows what's going to happen. I think 
I think probably most people watching the show, if you're one of the people that thinks we are genuinely going to overwhelm the fraud, Trump is going to be declared the winner on November 5th, you think that he probably knows that, right? And that if we're right and it's going to get rigged and stolen again, he probably knows that. That should give you a lot of confidence that the narratives he's deploying, there's a reason he's deploying them in this way. And I sort of trend toward what you just said. I basically believe that the macro kind of war of stories, all of it, I think the actual war, if it's not done on a timeline, it's essentially done. It's been through via game theory. Patriots can't lose because I do think they're the infinite player. I don't think it's just because they have the truth on their side, even though we talk about that a lot from a narrative perspective. It's like in Trump's court cases. We talked about this on Wednesday night. Trump is innocent of the charges, right? We don't know exactly where the court cases are going to go. Maybe they'll be tossed out and the Jonathan Turley take of attrition is going to be accurate. Maybe he's going to get convicted and then he's going to get acquitted on appeal. Maybe the Supreme Court's going to step in before it gets to that point. We don't know what actual path the Trump witch hunt is going to end on. But we know it's going to end with Trump being acquitted of these charges because we know he's innocent. So I see the 2024 election very similarly, where they know what's going to happen. They know what the enemy is going to do. And they know that no matter what the enemy chooses to do, we're going to end up with Trump as the president again. I, I firmly believe in that. So I sort of wanted to tie this into devolution of saying that it seems unlikely that we're going to just get flat out disclosure of devolution. I have some reasons for that I'll get into later. But if we don't, I, I think you agree with that, that we're not just going to get, I implemented devolution, continuity of government. This is what we did back in as 2020. As much as I would love it. I don't right. think we're going to get it. Yep. But I do think, I want your take on there's, there's a story being set up here. I look at Trump almost like a, a performer. He's a character. He's a symbol. So he's, he's amplifying these narratives. And I'm sort of starting to play with the idea of this being devolution on a delay. Like there's going to be a version of something like devolution that plays out as a story to the American people, even though the actuals happened years ago the actuals were implemented in 2020 and i don't know if that makes total sense but if you i don't know if you've thought of that of like a story yeah. version of it i thought about this a lot like if whatever comes whatever the the return the return method for trump is i don't think it's just straight up he's going to win in 2024. it's already like written in the stars trump has trump has this logistically mapped out and i try to game theory like okay what what could it be it's got to be something that the public is going to be like okay well it, it can't be from trump it can't be trump himself just being like hey guys here's what i did this is see they cheated he's been saying they've cheated for three four years whatever it's been and yeah. it, it's not enough to get him back into office like there has to be an extra layer here so okay so it, it's either going to be like congress or the the senate whatever that I don't know if that makes sense because I don't believe any of them are legitimately elected either. And I think that is something that needs to be fixed as well. Like we need we need an entire new election all the way down ballot from the president down to your local school board. Everything needs to be redone in an entirely new, whether it's single day voting or the military running the election, I don't know what it is. But that's like, whatever happens, that is the result of it is a whole new election that everybody's like, 
oh wow wow that they've been cheating quite a bit like you know like that that's the awakening that is the great awakening is people realizing just how fake the system is you do that by showing them that none of you none of your elections are real like all these elections are selections they can pick whoever they want and that's what i think needs to happen here i don't think it can happen after the fact because trump tried to do that trump tried to do that in 2017 with that election commission it did not go through this this is his opportunity when he's technically not in office he's gonna this so somebody's gonna do it i don't think it can be congress i don't necessarily think even the military coming in being like okay guys too much shenanigans here we need to yep. stop this i think it the only body that honestly makes sense to me that can make some sort of decision that both sides have to like okay well they said we have to do it this way so we're going to do it this way is the supreme court i mean and there was a push from the biden administration early on to change the makeup of the supreme court didn't really go anywhere but that is kind of okay well they said it that's it is what it is i think at some point this is going to go to to them and, and yeah. even more so lately because of the the writing on the wall i'm i'm starting to get more on board with the template that's going on in ukraine right now with this like Zelensky trying to not hold elections at all and i think the supreme court is going to rule on on that here yeah. soon um i think may or something we, uh, we were looking at an article on last night on the power it was ridiculous but i i could see the biden administration trying to do that manufacture a crisis use it as justification for not holding an election at all and then all hell breaks loose because of it and it's going to ultimately go to the supreme court they're going to say no you have to do an election and maybe it's gonna be on such a short time frame that they have to do it in a different manner because of how it unfolds i don't know but in some way people need to understand like trump has the will of the people all the people majority of the people there are so few people in this country that i think actually want joe biden as president but yeah man, i i don't i don't know how this unfolds i just know that yeah. it's already mapped out like it has to be yeah. there's there's no way in my mind that trump would have walked away in 2020 allowed these people to take some form of narrative control without already having his method back being fully gamed out and it cannot I, be just straight up elections right I, I agree with that and um you, you even just prompted a, another thought right there when you're talking about there being no election i know that uh, uh mcgregor has talked about that i know uh general flynn has discussed the possibility of of no election yep. Um, I did read uh, Absolute. Um, Absolute had done an article like a month ago or a few weeks ago talking about that kind of whole theory as well, the the black swan stuff and the idea of there being no election. Um, it is important, you know, we talk about a lot on all our shows, but especially uh, on Defected, we look at mostly enemy narratives. I mean, we do look at patriot narratives. We look at Trump and, and Elon Musk and, you know, whatever you think of him, uh, prominent narratives kind of in the zeitgeist. A lot of those are obviously enemy narratives. And what I look for with enemy narratives is the patterns. And it's definitely a pattern when you see them all deploying black swan narratives um, a few months ago. Oh. You know, is that does that mean we're not going to get an election? I think I think something I want to get into in a different topic tonight, but that I'll hint at here is that I don't think that the enemy knows what's going to happen either. You know, we're sitting here trying to figure out what's going to happen. And I think that's actually a huge white pill. I think that there's a sign here that the enemy, they're seeding things out there, but they don't really know the way this is going to go either. No. And I think that that's good for patriots. We, we agree 
the Patriots know how this is going to end. That doesn't necessarily mean that Trump and Patriots know exactly what's going to happen between now and November 5th. But they know game theory allows them to map out its if-then scenarios. If this, then this. If this, then this response. I think when you bring up the idea of sort of, uh, I've called it the Palpatine paradigm, but the idea of Joe Biden following the Zelensky playbook and holding on to power, that's the narrative I sort of like the best. And the reason I like it the best is because earlier tonight you said, you know, public mandate, court of public opinion. We, we want an awakening. We want the most people possible to wake up. So what some people can see as us dooming out, I see as the best possible narratives to get the public mandate for the sort of wholesale systemic changes that we need. And I can't really think of anything bigger than a president, an incumbent president, refusing to abdicate his power. I know Kyle's mentioned that along the, those lines, even though he thinks that we are going to overwhelm the fraud on November 5th, uh, he's also talked about the idea of the enemy refusing to concede, which is a version of that, right? Mm -hmm. I could see that kind of being a happy medium of saying, maybe we really do overwhelm the fraud, that's the story told to the public, but that they still find a way to audit it and they do a false audit they reverse 2020 and the enemy is the one saying no actually you didn't win we're gonna stay in power they do all the things they accuse trump of and i think that that's what i mean by a devolution narrative it's not literally devolution but it's to say that i think a lot of what we're watching here it's that war of stories it's the narrative it's the narrative warfare we think that at any point basically going back to 2020 Trump, the military, patriots, they could have come in and done things a lot differently. The reason yep. that you've talked about that they didn't is to avoid a civil war. That means that whatever narrative is being massaged here, we have to try to play with scenarios of what gets Trump back in office at the end of it while exposing elections and election fraud to the American people without getting us into a civil war. And yep. that's why it's such a complicated scenario. And I call it the tightrope. Like, I don't know. Um, I don't know what form that takes, but it almost feels like when Trump deploys these things out, it's not really for us. It's sort of for the enemy. And it feels like baiting them of, hey, guys, steal it, steal it even harder this time. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. I love all the cute names you give all these, these little theories, <laughs> tightrope and stuff. But, but, but seriously, like when, when you look at, at what needs to happen, I, I look at a few things that need to happen in terms of moving on to the next phase of the Great Awakening. One of those is the mainstream media needs to be completely destroyed and demolished. And number two is the, the election system. Like those are the two kind of final checkboxes. We've had so many, so many things that have happened since Trump left office and so many people have woken up, but there are like two big key things that will wake up everybody else that's left that is able to be woken up. And the, the one thing that I can, like, I can't think of anything better to get people to realize how bullshit the media is than them trying to cover for Biden in doing everything they've accused Trump of doing or being as a president. So, like, if, if Biden tried to hold on to power or withhold, like, stop an election or all these things, that is what they've been accusing Trump of doing. Like, not just while he was in office, but that's what they're saying he's going to do in in 2024 when he gets in he's going to execute all of his political enemies and all these things. he's going to do all whatever that would be such a huge red pill for people like oh wait didn't you say trump was the guy that was going to like 
refused to hold on to power back in 2020, even though he walked away, but now Biden is trying to not have an election. That doesn't make sense. So that would be a huge red pill. Yeah. And so th th that's why I think he's going to try to do that. And then regardless, we're still going to have an election. Like somebody's going to rule on it at the Supreme Court, probably like is happening in Ukraine, a template. And we're going to have the election regardless. And that's the second one where I, I still think, and I, I've been saying this since day one, and I get a lot of shit for this. Like, oh, your predictions about devolution are wrong. Really, the only prediction I've ever made is like, hey, the election stuff has to be exposed for Trump to return. I thought it would happen before the midterms, but it didn't. Like, we had audits and stuff going on. The Arizona audit, all these things. I was like, well, either they expose the election fraud and the fraudulent system, or they're going to steal it again. And they did. We, we've talked about this so many times. And I still think that has to happen. Like, there's no way that people who who remove, like, they, they it was treason. They, they subverted yeah. the Constitution. They subverted the country. They did all this bullshit. They removed Trump from office through fraudulent election. They're not going to just let him back in through a system that they can commit fraud on to whatever yeah. degree they want. It doesn't make sense. That needs to be exposed in some fashion. Again, it's it's all like, it's all speculation. We don't know how it's going to play out, but but you're, you're right. Like, the... The mainstream media and like I, the, the how'd you phrase it? They don't how they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know either. what's going to it doesn't feel like they know what's going to happen either. Well, when you look at well, it was that article, I can't remember the guy's name. Hillary Clinton's old advisor um, was in The Guardian. I, he, he wrote that bullshit article about like, well, if Trump does win. Oh, yeah. Congress doesn't have to certify them like we can, right. they can make all these rules on the day of, of the Electoral College vote. And not let him in like they're spitballing solutions to this because they see the writing on the wall they, they, yeah. but none of them none of them know how this is going to play out you're absolutely right and that's and that even goes into like some of the cia stuff we talked about they, they aren't getting intelligence either none they don't know anything going on anywhere and so no, they've been completely cut off but yeah anyway, go ahead yeah that 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 uh article from a few weeks ago that we talked about on the power hour i think the uh cia it was in Wall Street Journal, I think. Wall Street Journal has been one of the main sort of backpedalers in the mainstream establishment. That's where a lot of the, the Overton's goalpost mapping I do, it's coming out of the Wall Street Journal. A little bit out of the New York Times. We saw that last week with the Ukraine and the CIA. Uh, but that, that article from the Wall Street Journal about the CIA and China and the Xi administration yeah. was one of the biggest gravitational uh signs to me of them truly not knowing what's really going on um they they're they they literally admit in that article that they're flying blind the cia is flying blind when it comes to the xi administration which is funny because it looks like the mainstream media is flying blind when it comes to a lot of these things and the more the mainstream media, especially in recent weeks, starts threading the CIA into their headlines and throughout all of their reporting, uh, I had uh, started writing the other day, I still haven't put an article out, but I've kind of been playing with it. The idea of the collective mind is being programmed with the MSM being a three-letter agency, right? It's like those things are fusing. The, the idea of the CIA as an intel agency, the FBI's intel, the MSM, the mainstream media, is itself the same exact thing. They're just a an arm that works in coordination. So when the MSM is out there telling you that the CIA is flying blind, they're saying they are flying blind. The reason the media has no idea what Xi Jinping is doing, and you can see this if you go even further back. During the first Trump administration, 
the media was baited into defending the Xi administration and China because China used to be friendly to globalist interests. Trump comes in and the media starts seeing this tariff war that Trump, this trade war that Trump declares on Xi and China. So they automatically play the opposite game and they defend Xi and China. Now, all of a sudden, we're in the Biden administration and Xi is part of the new axis, according to the media, because I think on a delay, they have realized what we've been talking about. They have realized that Xi Jinping is not who they thought he was, just like Vladimir Putin's not necessarily who they thought he was. And well, Vlad, I think they've known Vlad is not their guy for a long time, but I think that they thought Xi was. They thought that they had China in the bag and it wasn't until Trump came in that Xi started changing his policies and having very anti-US, or I should say anti-US globalist policies. He's become much more of a nationalist all of a sudden. I also think the, the mainstream media has become much less of a, like, like they're, they're reactionary now, right? Like so before they were the ones that seeded a lot of narratives for the for the regime or whatever they were seated it and then it, it it followed with the regime doing certain things now they are reacting to what's happening so yep. the biden administration is doing weird things against china in trump fashion right like mm -hmm. continuing some trade war stuff or whatever and so now the mainstream media comes out and they react to that to cover for it it went from providing the shielding ahead of time to providing the cover after the fact and it's the same thing with the cia stuff like Tucker goes on one of the most widely seen interviews of all time with Putin and Putin draws this roadmap out well, like, hey, the CIA are a bunch of assholes. They're behind all this stuff. This is a CIA war. And then all of a sudden they're writing articles about, oh, yeah, well, the CIA is basically Ukrainian intelligence and all this stuff. It's because they've lost their their th that right there shows like how far ahead we are against them now in the narrative war is they cannot that they can only take a reactionary footing and all this stuff and that's that's huge yeah i don't know I just like develop that no, it's, it's, through, it's, but you know what i mean yeah i love this topic and i wanted to talk about it i mean i i refer to it um i've referred to it in a different sense as like an archipelago concept it's almost how i've been visualizing them like an archipelago of islands where it felt like the deep state the deep state at its peak before the era of trump and q and citizen journalists anons all of us the truth community they were, I, I often refer to them at their peak as um, a decentralized criminal network whose end goal is centralization. They're a strange paradox, right? The glo globalists want centralized power. They want central banks. They want national banks. And yet it's kind of a paradox because they've got the five eyes. They've got all these different, seemingly different countries that are independent actors but they're all unified in this criminal cabal of, of bankers, of lawfare. They fight proxy wars. The petrodollar is their main weapon that they use to subjugate other nations. They all, even though they're independent nations in the EU, they all move in lockstep to um, enforce sanctions on other nations, such as Russia, when they step out of line. But lately, besides the narrative stuff we're talking about in the media, it feels like they're in our, it feels like the um, the connections, the coordination between a lot of these deep state criminal cabals and uh, and networks, nations, have been severed because they're not marching in lockstep anymore. 
you'll see one you'll see one country put out a certain statement on Russia and then their ally backpedals on that and tries to do damage control for them. You'll see one newspaper talking about how Nikki Haley should pull out of the race because she's embarrassing herself. And then you'll see another one say, well, Trump might wreck out here. And it's 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 making me think there's much less coordination there. And this actually does open up a combat sports analogy that I can use tonight. So I'm, I'm glad. You're welcome. Or we can make it a nerdy one. You've probably heard of Dungeons and Dragons. I we want to get super nerdy. Yeah. So for any of my nerds in the chat, in D&D, you get you roll stats like you've got your stats as a hero. And what before you get into a fight, before you get into a combat. Is it a dice what, game? Yeah, it's a dice game. Like you have statistics and everything, but you roll dice ultimately to see what happens when you get into a fight. Is, is that the game from Stranger Things? Mm hmm. OK, OK. Yep. Yep. That's it. So you're play acting, but you also have these stats and you roll dice, right? So I promise this 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 makes sense. But when you get into a when you get into a battle in D and D, you roll for initiative. You roll to see who goes first, you or your enemy. And in combat sports, in a real fight, there's a one of the main one of the main ways that an experienced striker learns how to watch fights is initiative. They learn how to watch which fighter is taking initiative in the fight because oftentimes that fighter is the one who ends up winning in a striking match the funny thing is when you're an inexperienced fighter or when you're an inexperienced judge often initiative looks like moving forward like you think we think that if you're the one taking initiative you're probably moving forward and your opponent is moving backward right but that's not necessarily the case if you're a counter-striker, which is what I was, I would move backwards more often than forwards. But the key to initiative is who is moving first. So if I step back and we're squared up and you follow that step, the audience sees you moving forward. But actually, I took the initiative. I moved and you followed me. That means that what we just did was what I wanted us to do. If I step toward you and you step backwards, I still have the initiative because I moved first. It doesn't automatically mean the person with the initiative is going to win. But typically, if one fighter is reacting, as you just put it with the media, if one fighter is reacting to the other fighter, no matter what direction they're moving in, they're not seizing the initiative. That means they're not in control of what's going on. And I think yeah. that if you reframe what the media is doing and what a lot of these politicians are doing, the reason they look so schizophrenic lately, they don't have the initiative. Like you just said, they're constantly reacting. So Putin goes out there. So who, when you, I'm glad you brought up Putin. Who has the initiative right now when it comes to the CIA? I would say Vladimir Putin deployed a narrative. That was a, That's why I call them deployments. They're like actual war deployments. He goes on that interview, as you pointed out, it's the most watched interview in a decade, who knows how much, maybe ever. And he seeds a narrative. He, in, he immediately takes a forward step toward the CIA in the narrative. And then the media in the following month backpedals and starts putting out all these narratives about how the CIA is fighting a proxy war in Ukraine, which is what Putin is saying. Yeah. So it's, it, it's a perfect example where I think you can see that in many different theaters right now, where you see Trump or Putin or somebody seeds a narrative the media, like you said, reacts to it, 
And people kind of freak out when that happens, but it's actually kind of a light pill because it's a sign of who's actually controlling the dance of what's going on. Yeah, and I think we can almost like reverse engineer this in a way, and I'm not gonna be able to do this now, but I'm gonna try to describe it, to almost figure out what levers of control the deep state no longer has. Like th think back to think back to 9-11, okay? Whether it was a, a manufactured crisis or not, a lot of people believe at this point it was, but because they had control of the military, they took the crisis, whatever it was, and they used the military to accomplish their goals and whatever. They went in, in, on a war on terror and we were fighting it for 20 some years. Think of how they've talked about Russia and Putin the last eight years, but especially since you know they were about to invade Ukraine and did invade Ukraine. They, This is the most consequential threat the world has ever seen right now. What is happening in Ukraine? Yet somehow we haven't put our boots on the ground. Yeah. Does that make any, it doesn't make any sense. Like if we had full control of the military, in my opinion, we would have been there already. We, we would have been there from day one. We would have been in the middle of this fight, but they haven't done it because I don't think they can fully make decisions with the military. But I wonder if we can almost do this with like, if there's certain, certain things economically or um, w with other, you know, intel agencies, I, I don't know, but it, it'd be a good worthwhile exercise to go through and look at all the things that they're that when they do try to see the narrative like they've seeded a narrative with russia being this existential existential threat but they can't follow through with a response that would be justified by them being the existential threat i wonder if yeah. we can do that with other other scenarios you know what i mean because th they don't have control of everything like they used to th they've lost control the ties have been cut i don't know if it's communication wise or what intel wise whatever it is but shit has been cut we don't know fully what it is. We always talk about this on the power hour. It's like, we don't know where the devolution control ends and the Biden administration right. control begins. But I haven't thought about like this before where we could probably in some ways reverse engineer it in, in certain fashion because things are different now. If, yep. if they had full control, like they tell us they do, like they, like we're supposed to believe they do. I think we'd be a lot worse off. We'd probably already be in nuclear war or whatever. Like things would be a lot worse off than they are. Yeah. narratively we're on the verge of nuclear war at any moment like all the time but we haven't gotten there yet because they can't get us there and so i don't, I don't know like it's a very interesting now i'm man i'm gonna be yeah i want to i want to get more into it i want to um yeah that prompted a couple thoughts because uh i think if you i think you know like you said reverse engineering if we can try to we're, we're not going to know how this stuff's all going to play out right but like you just said there we can reverse engineer, and that's why I use that word initiative. You know, when you when you use the word reactive, like that that triggers that thought that I've been thinking about initiative lately. And I think that 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 doesn't give us proof, but I think it gives us a big hint in many different theaters of who is in control, and maybe more importantly, who is not in control. Right? If if one side is shown as not taking the initiative, the other side is. It's a signal of control. I might have a couple examples of that, but um. Let me grab, let me grab Benson Honey Farms. All right, man. Do another ad. While you're doing that, I'm gonna grab myself a honey candy from Benson Honey Farms. Dare you? All right, our friends at Benson Honey Farms. The sale has been extended. Indulge in the authentic uh, ASMR. John's doing a perfect <laughs> ASMR impression. Indulge in the authentic, unpasteurized, 100% natural honey. Product of diligent bees working the fields of wildflowers, which is as raw and robust as the spirit of Badlands itself. When you're seeking a taste that's real, pure, and American, 
Choose Benson Honey Farms, the sweetness born and bred in the heart of Nebraska. Visit Benson, visit badlandsmedia.tv slash honey. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash honey. I will say, uh, I forgot to thank her directly, but I'm thanking you now, Mo Benson, for sending some more honey my way. And not just honey, but you see this little soap here on the screen. We'll say no homo, or maybe a little bit of homo, but that soap is fantastic. Makes you feel all nice and smooth. You walk through the house. Mrs. Bright kind of just attacks you. She's like, is that, is that honey goat's milk soap you're wearing? Bro, that, was a lot, that was a lot of homo. That was, that was like as much homo as it gets. But <laughs> I'm just saying, it's fantastic soap. But it, I mean, it's, it's good soap. I, if I'm being completely honest, the soap I got from Ben's Honey Farms, I, I gave to my my parents, my mom. Yeah. I, I'm not a soap guy. I'm just like, hey, Delicious. give me that, give me that body wash, shampoo, conditioner, face wash, everything wash. Chemicals all in, in one. that crap. I know, but that's just who I am. I, I can't help yeah. it. But hmm. they're um, they're, they're candies are delicious. Pink, actually, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I'm not using the 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 soap, the homo soap. But Benny, yeah. okay, Benson Honey Farms is awesome. Their candies are great. Their honey is great. Their barbecue sauce is awesome. Don't put it on your carpet. Mm-hmm. Still have a stain from my carpet from when I spilled mine. But yeah, we love our sponsors. Benson has been with us since day one. And we thank you guys in the audience for supporting our sponsors because that's why they keep supporting us. So and it's fantastic stuff. Don't listen to that nonsense about the soap. It will, uh, it will make your wife jump your bones immediately if you're dragging some goat's milk honey soap through the house even more likely to make your your husband jump your bones yeah that's your, true whichever you par- want the guy partner whichever in your way life. You want it. yeah whichever if you're a dude other you dudes will love you <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously benson is great i'm sure the soap yeah. is great i just haven't personally tried it so uh i don't know if you can eat it i assume you probably can but uh they are not liable for me saying that so Eat the soap at your own risk. Whatever happened to you becoming a honey baron? Well, they created another Benson, which sort of um, complicated the line of honey baron succession. I feel like these little gifts that I get on occasion of honey, maybe that's the Benson's way of trying to throw off the eventual insurrection. Hmm. Uh, It's only going to delay it. I will wait until the youngest honey baron air comes of age before launching my my rebellion inevitable takeover um i'll wait till they're at least like three or four so it's more of a fair fight i don't want to subvert like a baby well okay i'll go i'll go after and take that throne i I don't remember if it was last night or on i think it was on friday's liberty and we were talking about game of thrones like somebody Mm -hmm. sometime brought up game of thrones so i I was like man i kind of want to watch that again i think it was friday night standing ever I know it is, but so I started like I watched like 15 minutes of the first episode, just whatever to get back into it. But I'm curious, who is your favorite Game of Thrones character? People are gonna think I'm super weird, but they already do. I read. Uh, can keep I, in can mind, I guess? Can I guess? Yeah. Is it a is it a Lannister? Yeah. Is it Tyrion? Nope. Is it Jamie? Wow. Which is weird, right? But keep in mind, this is actually relevant to the first, uh, our, our pre-show topic. I read the books before I saw the show. Um, I think that, you know, I'm obsessed with stories and the most compelling stories. And I think that Jamie has the best story 
in Game of Thrones until um, they catastrophically destroy it at the end of that show, uh, which is not how it is meant to go, even though those books are not done. Um, There's no way that guy's going to survive, by the way, to finish. No, no, I don't think he's. No, yeah, for sure. The author. Um, But yeah, the character, I like him because I found it fascinating that they... Uh, they set him up in like the most reprehensible way you could set a character up like in the first episode, right? It's just he throws the child of the Starks out the window, paralyzes him after he catches him boning his sister. Like it's yeah, a disgusting. I was going to say, you know, he bones his sister, right? Like Yeah, like so that but that's actually why I think in the so in the books to the reason he's such a, um interesting character is those books are written in limited perspective. They're third person limited. So when you're reading, when, when you're watching the show, you're seeing all these different characters interact. When you're reading the book, each chapter is in the head of one of the characters. So you might be reading a chapter from Jon Snow's perspective. Then you're reading one from Ned Stark's perspective. For the first two full books, you don't get Jamie's perspective. All you see is people interacting with him and mm. talking about him and everything. In book three, all of a sudden, you're in his head. And it's interesting because it doesn't make him a good character. But the reason I ended up liking him in the books is he's the most sort of honest character in the books where he basically calls everybody out on their bullshit, including as a Western viewer, you're kind of predisposed to be like, oh, the Stark, how Stark, they're the best. They're the most honorable. And he points out that they allowed the Targaryens to take the throne in the first place because their honor dictated it. And then what followed was a massacre where millions died because the honor suggested it. The irony of Jaime is that he's called the Kingslayer because he betrayed his king. And then you find out later on Mm. that he betrayed him because he wanted to save King's Landing. So I find the paradox of, you know, I like paradoxes. I like contradictions. I find it interesting that arguably one of the most villainous characters in the book is directly responsible for saving the most people while the Starks are portrayed as the honorable heroes and they're effing idiots who screw everything up and get their whole kingdom embroiled in an awful war that kills hundreds of thousands of people. Meanwhile, Jamie saves the entire kingdom from wildfire, never takes credit for it and never says anything because everybody sees him as the Kingslayer. So he just kind of lets them see him that way. He also bones his but, sister. Yeah, it's gross. But very gross. I'm gonna have to look at you a little side eyed as the Kingslayer now. Like I will say though, a lot of a lot of people who watch that show, I, I find it interesting that the people who that show became a huge phenomenon and um people watch it through traditional hero and villain framing. And the same people that all hate Jamie because of incest, which is disgusting and it's meant to be they love Daenerys Targaryen, right? They love the Targaryens. And they're notorious for marrying their siblings in the yeah. kingdom, right? So it's like because she's portrayed as heroic, uh, people are willing to just sort of let that stuff all go. Uh, but yeah, they they ruin that whole character arc. I thought that in the books he was leading toward a Pyrrhic ending where he's definitely not going to survive, but you get a little bit of redemption because of what you do. But man, they butchered that whole thing. Yeah. I was actually not a fan of Target Denarius. Yeah. I mean, Jon Snow, like he's my boy. Basically lives in North Dakota. That's <laughs> Winterfell, right? 
Well, and he knows nothing and you know nothing. So you had a lot in common. And... Yeah. A lot in common. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm stabbed in the you. heart by all these rumble rants. Man, that last one. John, you sound gay. That stabbed <laughs> me in the heart, bro. But thank you for I the I will $10. say, too, John Snow, excellent taste in uh, females. He goes after a redheaded wildling, you know, in season season three and four, mm. which uh, that's what I went after. Get do, one you of think, the... do you think the authors finished the books and you're just, like, waiting for them to die to, like, put them out? No, I think uh, the theory in the writing world is um, he wrote himself. He's even referred to it as the Miranese Knot. So he's got this the city of Marine in the books, and he's got all these mysteries orbiting all these characters. Basically, what I think happened with him is he wrote himself into such a complex weave of plots that he knows the ending, but he's having trouble bringing them all together in a way that makes any sense. And mm. he's basically admitted this, where he's like, plus... He got a lot of money when that show was on and he started flying around to conventions and everything. He's an old dude and I think he just lost the motivation. I don't know. He's like old and fat and like lots yep. of unhealthy things when you look at him. Like I'm yep. I'm surprised. That was like four years ago. I'm surprised you haven't gotten news of him yep. dying recently. When, when did that even, when was the last season? Like 2018, 2019? Something like that. 2019, I think. Man. But man, it's considered, it's amazing. I've never seen, I don't think there's ever been an IP that has been that popular that declined in popularity so sharply because of its ending. Like there's been controversial endings, there's been whatever, but that one was bad. It was so bad that like everyone who even made the show and acted in it has basically distanced themselves from it. The uh, The producers have basically not worked since they were supposed to do all these other big movies. So yeah. I bet uh, I bet the writer wishes he finished that crap earlier. Well, yeah, I mean, the movie producers should have probably waited for him to finish the, the books or something before he yeah. they did movies on it. Like, mm. yeah. Anyway, sorry for no, no, the sidetrack there. I'm, I'm but always, I guess that's okay on the show. It is okay. I'm always down to talk uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, You probably got one of the swords behind you there. I don't, but if it had earned a place on the wall. Another little tidbit with Jamie. I'm, I'm a sucker for martial artists and everything. And, incest, and one yep. thing one thing I never liked in the show is that in the show, I feel like there's a narrative that he's the best fighter, but in the show, they treat it like it's a rumor and you never really see it. Where mm. in the book, it's actually an interesting paradox in and of itself because the Starks think that Jamie's like a pretty boy who doesn't know how to fight. But he's the most devastating fighter in the Seven Kingdoms. Like, nobody mm. can beat him. And it's very clear in the book that that's actually true. But he just lets everybody think that he's just like a pretty boy who doesn't actually know how to fight. The funny thing is in the show, they have Ned Stark fight him and they make it kind of a draw. But in the book, he would like absolutely destroy really? all of those guys. They should have done that in the show because it would have been way cooler. It would have made it like a, again, a, a contradiction. Have you ever fought with a sword? No, um, I've been trained. I've done a lot of not not real knife combat, but knife combat training, but not swords. You've done knife combat training? Yeah, for like close quarters. What? So we used to do a thing where uh, one of my trainers, he, he trained special forces in Boston, um, not military special forces, but uh, I, I guess they're not called special forces, but like SWAT 
and those kind of, I don't know what you'd call them, special operators in law enforcement. Um, and he trained them in close quarters and a lot of that stuff's knife. And uh, we used to train where we would put, you'd, you'd have to fight uh, with no shirt on and <laughs> they'd take a rubber <laughs> knife and they'd put ink on it, ink on the blade. Mm. So you'd basically have to fight with these rubber knives and then at the end of the sparring match you would see where there was ink and who was dead Interesting. so it's sort of uh it's kind of fascinating because it would um it would it it teaches you how dangerous it is to fight with knives and that like no matter how good a fighter you are there's all these things you'd instinctively do in a fight but if somebody has a knife they're all the worst instincts you know to grab somebody sure. or something like that so yeah, I feel like that's we why need I have to, a lot of knives. We should sword fight at Gart 4. I'm, I'm game. Okay, deal. Fake sword fight, not real. But yeah. anyway, right, somebody asked in the chat, uh, have we defected from the subject? <laughs> the bit. subject is defection. It's Rabbit Trails, the episode. Uh, should we grab uh, Beamish? Yeah, whatever. Your show, man. Let's grab Beamish. We do have Beamish. Speaking of swords and all kinds of stuff. They should make some custom swords. Tension Badlanders in the heart of Malmo, Minnesota, a remarkable family-led team at Beamish Metalworks is crafting not just metal art, but personalized, timeless masterpieces. Beamish Metalworks is in a class of its own, pioneering metal on wood creations. Imagine a piece of art that's not confined by generic designs, but is a narrative of your persona, your memories, or your dreams. From the ele elegance of an office centerpiece to the wild spirit of hunting and fishing scenes, your imagination is the only limit. Beamish Metalworks proudly supports local heroes and events from veteran fundraisers to law enforcement gatherings, embedding ourselves as a pillar of support and gratitude. Visit Beamish Metalworks today at badlandsmedia.tv slash metal art and use promo code BADLANDS for 10% off your one-of-a-kind purchase. It's badlandsmedia.tv slash metal art, promo code BADLANDS. Yes, they are awesome. I, they're the ones who did this thing behind me. Uh, they made me this little guy right here. And then... I think they're sending out in the very near future little pieces. I'm getting a new one, all black. I think you're getting getting one. A few of the Badlanders are getting one. So you guys should check them out. They do great work. They can do pretty much anything, and especially Badlands. You should get a Badlands piece at your house, guys. I will say I was jealous of um, Julian's rum. Bought like a little uh, a light with the Julian's rum thing. Like yeah. He had it custom. I was like, that'd be perfect for Burning Bright. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Put one of yeah, actually, um, I looked into that for a Badlands sign because you guys can't tell, but in the rest of my office besides right here, I've been doing a little construction, putting some soundproof up, and I painted a wall, and eventually I'm actually going to stream the other direction onto like a black wall with some stuff on there. But um, I was thinking about like I should get a Badlands Media neon right. sign. And yeah, that'd be cool. It's fairly expensive, so oh, yeah? I think I'm just going to use the Beamish one instead. Interesting. Yeah, anyway. All right, before our latest rabbit tra trail, we talk about initiative, narrative initiative, um, and I wanted to highlight a few examples of that and maybe even just think of them on the spot if we can, right? You were, you were sort of talking about, can we reverse engineer? Can we look at... Uh, media reactions and reverse engineer that to see what's going on or what we think is going on. One that popped into my mind was is in the financial world. You know, we're talking about um, black swan events. That's even being seeded by 
the media. But when you when you combined the idea of narrative reaction with the initiative sort of thing I was talking about, I always go back to Donald Trump is the one who he didn't start the practice of money printing by the Federal Reserve. That's not what I'm suggesting. But in the COVID era, the modern, somewhat hyperinflationary era that we are entering in the U.S., Trump is the one who kicked that off in 2020. Um, I don't see that as a negative thing. I see that as actually that sort of game theory initiative. We've talked about it in the past related to Operation Warp Speed. Um, you know, maybe that's not literally a part of it, but it, it sort of trends along the same lines. And I think that that's one of the examples of how this game theory works. And it's an actual and a narrative game theory on an actual level. Trump kickstarted the money printer and then he leaves office or the, the election gets stolen from him. Joe Biden's in there and Joe Biden's presiding over this situation. And if you guys follow any of the, you know, speaking of media reaction, if you follow kind of financial news, they don't know what to do right now. It's an example where I think they had a planned transition into probably CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, which is really interesting that Trump took a shot at those recently mm -hmm. and said, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. When you were talking about devolution, you're talking about that, you know, there's no boots in the ground in Ukraine. Those are some of the bigger like kinetic scenarios that I think we can see the guardrails of devolution, national essential functions. But I think one of the interesting ones to consider is the economic landscape, the financial landscape. That's a pretty national essential function, right? The entire yeah. US economy. So it's interesting because I think what they did was Trump sort of accelerated the enemy's plan by saying, hey, you wanted to print all this money, right? And get us into this great reset. But it feels like we're not heading toward the central bank digital currencies that they had in mind. And I know there's the stuff we've talked about of Trump seizing the Fed or rolling the Fed into the treasury. That stuff is pretty fascinating. So I wonder what you think about that, of, of devolution related to the financial realm. Yeah, the, the financial realm is like one of the most interesting ones because I feel like both sides want rid of the current existing system in, in a certain sense. Like the, the, the left, they want their great reset, right? The Klaus Schwab, great reset. We're going to, you're going to own nothing. You're going to love it. Eat bugs, all these things. Eat Z bugs. <laughs> they they want that they want the the credit system the carbon credit system all these things the central bank digital cur currency backed by carbon and your carbon footprint but all the tr trump the white hats whoever they see the right on the wall that this debt-based system we're in is not sustainable it's not feasible they both want this to go away and implement a new era of the financial system and that that's unique i think in terms of all these different like battlefields and, and things we talk about the financial one is both of them at some point wants to get rid of the current system. What's most important though, is who is there to implement the new one? Who's right. going to be there to press the reset button. And we used to talk about this all the time. We don't quite do it as much as we used to, but that that's, that's one of those things. Like if Trump, if Trump didn't like cement, not only his return, but also cement, like the fact that the system would still get destroyed on the timeline needed, but also, not like too quickly or anything for them to implement their system like that that's that's a level of control that i honestly haven't even like wrapped my head around yet but th this the the, the 
economic system with Trump helping them demolish the system they want to replace, I, I don't know. And then him changing, like the feedback loop he just did with Bitcoin was fascinating to me. And I know we've yep. talked a little bit yep. about Bitcoin last night. We've talked about on Friday, like my mind is blown by Trump mm -hmm. change. I don't think I've seen Trump change his tune since like changing his <laughs> tune about Bud Light being gay. Like that was that was a weird feedback loop, right? He was testing us. I don't know what this one is. I don't know how to read it because his statements before about Bitcoin were not like it seemed it seemed very genuine, right? And I don't know if that has a role to play. But if you if you can control the the financial system, you can control the world. The the enemy has shown us that. And if you're Trump and you're actually trying to give the government back to we the people, you do it in a way like where the economic system cannot be controlled by anyone. Right. That's how you actually give it back to we the people. It's controlled by we the people. Like you have, you take sovereignty and control over your own financial situation. That's what Bitcoin does, right? And I know people in the chat will hate us talking Bitcoin again, but it's it's a very compelling argument that G Money and and the people who talk about Bitcoin and have studied Bitcoin that they make, and to see Trump take like even the slightest of steps towards, well, yeah, it's it's kind of here now. Like we're stuck with I've it. I found it fascinating. I found the way he was wording it fascinating because he did, he he said it's very interesting. He said, you know, people are using it. I think we need more regulation. But uh, the, the key quote out of it was, I can live with it, right? And yep. like you said, the last time he made a public statement about Bitcoin was something, you know, to the effect of criminals use it. I don't like it, this and that. And I would just say, just like we talk about with the election, when it comes to Trump's narratives, um, you can't just take things how you want to with what he says. You've got to you've got to play that bicameral game. You've got to play that game theory and try to map out different potential meanings, different potential pathways. So, for example, most people watching this show, it's it's. It's uh, satisfying that we can basically say something good about Russia and Putin, even if we're not hero worshiping them. And the vast majority of the people watching Badlands Media is fully on board and understands what we're talking about. Right. Whether you believe that there's a literal sovereign alliance like I talk about or whether you believe maybe it's just sort of a enemy of my enemy type of thing. Um, people that watch these shows understand that Vladimir Putin is not who the media tells you he is, and Russia is not who the media tells us they are, right? But if you look at Trump's narrative deployments, he doesn't bash Putin, but he basically threatens him every so often. That has changed. That that narrative, uh, how he talks about Putin has changed. He's become a little bit more um, amenable to him and friendly to him. But back during his first administration, he was talking about how if Russia did this, we'll respond in this way. If China does this, we'll respond. He's still doing it while Joe Biden's president, where he says, you know, if Russia or China, you know, do X, Y, or Z, if I was president, I would respond with the full force and weight of the military. They wouldn't be doing this. I'd have this war stopped. And he doesn't threaten them, but you could interpret that. If you didn't, if you didn't see things the way we see things, you could interpret what Trump is saying toward Russia and China as threats. But if you engage with it the way we do, you can see it as him putting forth a public narrative because he understands all the narrative damage that has been done to Americans regarding Russia and China. He knows that he can't just come out and say, Russia's fantastic. They were totally justified in going into the Donbass. Uh, Xi Jinping and I are great friends. 
China's great because of all the actual damages that the, the actual damages that the CCP has done to us over the decades. Most normies, even MAGA normies, cannot really understand how they, they can't separate the CCP from Xi Jinping, just like they can't separate Donald Trump from the U.S. government when he's president, even though we know that there's all these different factions. I would say that you can apply that same framing to Bitcoin and the financial system. You'd say, well, why would Trump say these negative things about Bitcoin years ago if he if it's part of some plan? And because he knows that if he comes out there and he's talking about Bitcoin four years ago, just hypothetically, really positively and saying, we should go to this, we should go to this decentralized system. The entire establishment gets to weaponize that narrative against him and say, look, he's against the US dollar. He wants the US economy to collapse so that he can bring us into this different system. Where instead, I think the way that Trump deploys these narratives is he says, if I was president, these issues would not have happened. But now that they have happened, here's the solution that I'm going to be stuck trying to implement. So with Russia and China, he's going to come in there and say, if I was president, Putin would have never gone into the Donbass. But now that he did, I'm just going to try to make peace with him and let him keep it. And you could look at the same thing in the financial world. You could say that Trump can do these interviews and say, I'm a fan of the U.S. dollar. But if I was in office, we wouldn't have had a collapse in the U.S. dollar. Now that we did, we have to have a solution to that. Um, I don't yeah. know if it's going to be Bitcoin. I know Joe Lang is really bullish on uh, gold and silver. I think that's going to play a role. And one of the theories I've played with is an idea of sort of gold and silver uh, being used as a transitionary sort of layer. But either way, Bitcoin is here. You know, it's decentralized. It's yep. there. And it'll be interesting if he does you know, pass any kind of regulation to make it more of a more of an actual part of the U.S. financial system when he comes back. Yeah, you know what you said there about Trump, like not getting on board with it, it, it allowed it to remain as like sovereign as possible. Like there was no huge outside influence, especially from any government entities or anything like that that we know of that yeah. that got behind Bitcoin. And it's gotten to where it is basically through peer to peer promotion and and discussion and research and all these things it's it's just very yeah. interesting but what you're saying about china and russia and some of the things trump says about you know maybe he's a little harsher now that he's out of office i i still always go back to the rich higgins thing and i know this is a very devolutionary thing not a defected thing but it's to me it's important to understand why trump does some of the things that he does and says some of the things that he says and it's when rich higgins talked about trump has to still operate in the battle space that is basically created for him by the mainstream media, yeah. I still think that that's what he has to do. Like there are certain things that, there's certain narratives, and one of them is Russia. People, the, the mainstream media accused Trump of colluding with Russia. It got debunked, like the, the Mueller report couldn't find any evidence, the, the Durham report proved that it didn't happen, like it was fabricated, paid for by the Clinton campaign, all these things. It still really wasn't enough to wash away the stank that is Russia. Like Russia is still the boogeyman to a lot of people. Yeah. It's just because people don't pay attention to the details. They just pay attention to what they see while they're walking through the airport. And the mainstream media has presented Russia as this evil thing. And because that's still the case for a lot of people in their minds, Trump has to operate with that as like part of the perspective. Like he has to still take certain stances against Russia. 
Otherwise, that might sour him to certain people. And I think he does that with a lot more things and a lot more often than people realize. And some of it he tests with his feedback loop. But th that's what that's what is going to be changed, I think, moving forward, like in the next administration or whatever. We will know we've reached kind of critical mass in terms of the mainstream media being destroyed and decentralization of the news and all these things. And like no more hero worship, no more like oh, all hail Tucker Carlson. He finally said the thing that we wanted him to say three years ago. Like, none of that. It's it's weekend. People can say anything they want, the truth, at any point in time and not be condemned for it or not, like, have to worry about sponsors or any of these things or what the mainstream media is going to say. It's like, this is the truth as I know it. I'm going to say it now and you're going to live with it because it is what it is. Like, no spin, yeah. none of that shit. And But we're not there yet. And we're clearly not there yet. When you see him, what what really fascinates me, you know, we're all very used to engaging with Trump narrative deployments. In the Bitcoin one, just like the one we started the show with, too big to rig. Those are my favorite ones. When when you can't when you can't suss out exactly what Trump is trying to communicate. You know, when when Trump has a strong message, he's super direct. That's what he became famous for, right? So, for example. Uh, I've often said that to me, the, the biggest narrative deployment that I remember associating with Donald Trump before I was in the Infowar stuff and before I really thought about fifth generation warfare, any of this crap, what I associated Donald Trump with was build the wall. I'm not saying it was his first narrative deployment, but it was definitely the one that I feel like broke into the mainstream. This is Trump's ultra controversial take. And it was, yeah. It was super direct, right? It was, we have illegal immigration. It's a disaster, problem, reaction, solution. I know I bring up the Hegelian dialectic all the time, and I've tried to be more clear when I bring that up that the term Hegelian dialectic is not automatically a negative thing. It's just that the enemy has used it. It's a logical framework. Problem, reaction, solution is how we, t how, how, uh, we tend to talk about it. But the original version of the Hegelian dialectic is, um, is uh, synthesis, antithesis, and uh, or thesis, antithesis, synthesis. And it's basically just problem, reaction, solution is a translation to that. Trump did the same thing. He comes onto the stage, he says, we have this massive problem. It's the southern border to the United States. The reaction to it is this kind of bombastic narrative deployment. The solution that I'm proposing is build a damn wall, right? And then the enemy has to react to that. So the reason I bring that up is when Trump wants to, when he feels strongly about a given narrative or when he has a, a specific de deployment in mind, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about what he's doing. He's super clear about his directive. That's why I find it interesting when he intentionally is wishy-washy. We're to too big to rig. We're going to win the 2024 election, but they're going to try to steal it. We're going to prosecute them if they do steal it. They're not going to steal it, though, so we should go vote. And I think in that Bitcoin sort of narrative, he's doing the same thing where he's going, well, you know, a lot of people are interested in it. I really like the US dollar. We probably need to regulate it. I'm interested in it, though, and a lot of people are investing in it. I can live with it, right? And it's like he has done a little tap dance in that exchange that if you are a Bitcoin maximalist, you get to have your cake and be like, look, he's warming up to the idea of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And if you hate Bitcoin and you're one of the people that's like, how can you use, how can you use it in a store or something like that? And you're, you're just not into it. You think it's a globalist 
deep state thing. You get to interpret what Trump said there as being like, he's just trying to be political there, but he's not actually interested in it. And when he's doing that, when he's doing that bicameral tap dance, I think that, like you said, with the uh, the feedback loop, those are examples of where he's sort of testing. He's testing where people are at and he's massaging that narrative forward. The fact that we've gone from him putting out directly negative statements about this technology to saying, uh, it's here, we're just going to have to live with it, and I can live with it as long as we get some regulation around it. That's a move. The, the Overton window has moved, and Trump is sort of, I've often talked about him as the center point of that Overton window. Yep. And as Chris often says, you know, we don't have to stay there. We can go forward. We don't have to stay where Trump is. I think where Trump is communicating, he's giving us hints as to where sort of the majority of the base is at. And maybe people are willing to have some of these conversations now about Bitcoin, about Russia. But he can't come out and be like, Russia's great. <laughs> Everything's awesome with Vladimir Putin. He's just got to be like, I can work with this guy. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if, though, if he if he's actually like discussing things because he knows this is where the audience is at, or if he's actually just testing to see where the audience mm. is at. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I fully think that the Bud Light thing was a test. It had to have been. There, it makes no sense. I mean, the Dana White connection maybe, but because I think the rumor was Dana White like urged Trump to kind of come back because they're a big sponsor. It was in that the UFC. sports media is claiming that Dana White of the UFC is the one who got Trump to make the public statement about Bud Light. That's the narrative. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, but I mean, to me, it just it feels like a test. And I think that's what Trump does a lot more than we realize. He's he's feedback looping to see where we're at. And, and I don't know what metrics they watch, but you know they have their own back end all the sorts of data they can yeah they can monitor everything also most of this stuff i would say you know another piece of advice with his deployment with his narratives that i think people should pay attention to is we have theories of what he's trying to do there right i i like bitcoin so i i'm i am biased and i am biased to look at that statement and i can read from it what i want to read from it and it's important to be conscious of what your biases are right just like if you're anti-bitcoin you have to admit that your bias is you're looking at that statement and you're picking out the things he's hedging about it and you're saying, yeah, Trump doesn't think it's a good thing, right? So you can read that either way. You get to have it uh, either way you want it. But I would say that when we, with the benefit of hindsight, if we can map out patterns, narrative patterns of Trump, that's when you can start to put patterns together. You can start to project, I think, with a little more certainty and I do find it interesting that before the specific Bitcoin conversation, two, three weeks earlier, he had made an extremely direct narrative assault on central bank digital currencies. Now, I don't think that those two things can be separated. So whatever your thoughts are on Bitcoin, Trump goes out and says central bank digital currencies will not happen on my watch. We will not allow this to happen. Most of the MAGA normie audience w at that point in time would probably think digital currency, Bitcoin. It's the most famous digital currency. So they would think Trump must be anti-Bitcoin. So the fact that he follows it up a couple of weeks later by saying, I can live with Bitcoin, what he's done there, in my opinion, is, is he hasn't fully endorsed Bitcoin but he's drawn a direct line of demarcation 
to his audience and said, yep. central bank digital currencies, digital currencies and Bitcoin are not the same thing. These are two totally different things. So I kind of think that's what he was doing there. It's like, that's how we yep. start by saying these are not the same thing. And then we'll see where we go from there. It's also so funny, like just watching the chat, seeing people like, well, if the internet goes out, like guys, guess what? The internet goes out, you can't use your debit card. And you don't have any money in your bank account either because that's yeah, all it is you can't is... throw gold at people to get some bread either that's not how it works no so like it's the same same argument and yeah. plus st with starlink up um i think there's a there's probably satellites on the moon at this point we have a guys we just landed on the moon they got to have internet up there they well sent well the we it. the mission went bad john and the thing tipped over and they couldn't send any pictures back <laughs> it's just but like we Man. ever need our internet, we can go up to the moon and get it, even though the thing's yeah. on its side. It's got to be up there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite little uh, private anecdotes was I was in a conversation a few weeks ago with uh, our own Pip, Patriots in Progress from Rugpull Radio, and he was responding to the, uh, what if the internet goes out? And he said, what if humanity goes out, mother effer? And I was just like, that's a, that's a solid uh, response. Yeah. You say lots of things. What if people just all of a sudden decide gold isn't worth anything and they want to use limestone instead? It's only yeah. as valuable as people being willing to exchange it. Yep. And you know what? I think that's a good way to, to sort of crystallize all of it is that we talk about public mandate all the time. We talked about it with the elections and wholesale changes, all that kind of stuff. I think that we have to have more of an active mindset in what we want rather than just saying what do we think the plan is the plan is whatever we want the plan is the plan is whatever patriots think the majority of the american people want well guess what we're part of the american people we get to we as a community get to set narratives we get to push narratives forward we get to push mandate forward if we want wholesale changes to our election systems we can call for that and it makes it more likely that that happens so I think that that feedback loop is more than just about Trump testing narratives. It's about them testing where is public mandate? What do people want us to do? What do they want to transact in? Yeah, I think um, that's a great point. And that, that actually like is very in line with what Chris always says and why I don't, like with we went on a little rant last night about Tucker and it's the one mm -hmm. I posted on. I saw that on, on Twitter. But th this is what Chris is saying, like we don't have to celebrate these things like maybe if we stopped celebrating these things we'd be further along the timeline like we can demand where where we need to be in the timeline right and demand that other people like get to where we are in the timeline that's up to us but instead like he said last night we're clapping like monkeys at other people making these little steps like no let's like yeah. hey where you at guys catch up to us like we can dictate some of these things if we are all more vocal about it i don't know i think that's a good point yeah and i think the tucker thing you know you can i i said a few times tonight you can have your cake and eat it too you can you can observe tucker carlson deployments and say these are net positives i think mm -hmm. it was a net positive that he interviewed vladimir putin while also while also agreeing that uh we don't have to stay there right we, yeah. we don't have to wait for tucker to tell us where where we're allowed to go in the narrative we get to front run these things and by front running them, it inevitably drags those people behind us, the narrative setters behind us, uh, to move forward. Yeah, it it was, it was a net positive. He interviewed Putin, but he did not ask any 
good questions. <laughs> like, no. Like you can no. be honest and just call it out for like call it what it was. It was yep. you didn't ask a single interesting question. And honestly, I think Putin kind of dictated a lot of that interview, but ma did. maybe there's like one interesting question. But he I think if I would have had a list of 10 questions I wanted asked, he maybe asked half of one. Yep. But anyway. Yeah, I think the uh, conclusion here, you know, a lot of our topics tonight have sort of combined, um, you know, these narratives. And earlier I said, I had said, what do you think the story of devolution is going to be? And that's kind of it's, it's hard to put into words. But I think overall, what I see going on here is that whether it's financial system, election systems, um, Trump versus Russia and China, these sovereign alliance theories, I think that we can suss out that the actuals, we're basically never going to know the actuals. We can kind of see the gravity of events, but that what we're watching play out is this narrative. I mean, the reason Kyle brings up kayfabe all the time, the, the wrestling term, and it's a perfect way to look at a lot of this stuff where you say these two wrestlers, the heel and the face, they know they're a part of the story. They have read the story. They know that one of them fighter a is the one who wins the wrestling match in december but the whole year they're playing their role in this narrative and it's for a reason it's to get mandated it's to get the audience on board it's to get them involved in it so that's where um i think it helps you if you have that patriots in control sort of backstopping you think that the actual reason for it is devolution then all that remains is to look at the narratives that are being deployed and try to figure out why they're being deployed that way. What are they trying to prep people for? Um, yeah, like when, when I think the story of devolution and like what we're ultimately playing out here, I, I go back to what Trump said before he took office in 2016. It was that it was that final or before the election in 2016, one of those final campaign speeches, I think it was in Georgia. And he, he said, we're our movement is about taking back this corrupt establishment and giving the government back to we the people like we can't do any of this without you and that's what i i really think the story of this is going to end up being even ultimately like how it how it plays out the narrative the the people demanding it it's devolution is like teaching the country to ride a bike again like we're riding the bike and devolution is standing behind us like guiding us like they're there to catch us if we fall but yep. at the end of the day like we have to be the ones that demand that this shit gets changed like enough is enough and basically basically devolution is just there to protect us from the big things if we fall tip over the bike but only enough things have to happen and, and i think are going to be guided to happen to get enough people to that point like i think there is an end point to this it's yeah. in some fashion either we win or they win right i think i think no matter what we we will ultimately win i think that's I mean, I, I, that's actually, that'd probably be a good topic for discussion. We don't have to do it now, but is it still possible that we end up losing this? It, it's It's got to be possible, but I think there's enough things set in stone. Like we're being guided on that path. It is inevitable. It's just more yeah. of a timing thing. This, but, yeah, sorry. Or, no, go ahead. I was just going to say one of the reasons I think it's inevitable that we do win, I, you know, it's technically possible that we don't. And when, when win, I think you're meaning not just election, you're meaning like, win this win this war against the deep state right like when take our country back um i think the q operation really really is a massive part of that a part of my positivity with the game theory of it all and i don't just mean i used to mean 
Patriots in control. You know, I used to be much more literal about that. You know, I still do believe that to some degree. And I think the devolution uh, research and operation is, are actuals to map onto that. I do think that there is some literal Patriot control. But that's not actually why I think that we're going to inevitably win. I actually think a lot of the ironically debates that we've had this year, I noticed that, you know, the first year of Badlands, a lot of our conversations, they were about devolution. They were about, they, a lot of them were about what we think patriots are doing or have done or will do. And we still do that. But I've noticed, I think, a good evolution on the way this community talks. I think it's a good thing that people are screaming at each other about Bitcoin and gold. That, that shows such a direct engagement, intentional engagement with what do we want as the future of our money. Let's all fight about it and may the best ideas win. And I think the QOP really prompted, it woke up a whole generation really in hindsight of Americans to be like, there the inkling that we had in the back of our heads, we were right. There is a criminal cabal. There are people that are trying to control us. The game has been rigged from elections to the financial system, to the banking system, to wars, proxy wars. When they kicked that off and sort of disclosed a lot of that stuff to us and did it through the Socratic method, they prompted this whole generation of Anons to learn to research on their own and everything. You know, you weren't prompted by the Q-op directly, but you were prompted by Trump. It, it was indirect, like it wasn't like Trump said, you should research, you should think for yourself. But Trump inspired, Trump, Trump was an inspiration to you. And when he got rug pulled and you got rug pulled by proxy of him, you then were like, this can't be the case. Yep. But I don't think you would have done that and been digging in if, if even though you were a Republican, if Mitt Romney loses an election, you're not going to go dedicate your all your free time to researching this stuff. There's something special about what Trump did when he came in and he he broke through the zeitgeist. The reason I'm so positive in the long run is because the fact that this community is getting further and further away from just waiting for Tucker Carlson or, or even Donald Trump to say what's going to happen we're making much more conscious choices. We're making much more conscious arguments and saying we are the ones who get to decide the future of our country. And it's so many of us now that I feel like you can't put that genie back in the bottle. It's, you know, they talk about an insurgency in warfare and in insurgency, you need something like 3% of a population to be uncontrollable for, for, a, uh, for an invasion or occupation to be impossible. And I think there's more than 3% of the United States that are cognitively intentional, anons, truthers, awakening type of minds that can't go back to sleep. It's yeah. like our kids are going to be like this. Our wives are like this. All of our friends are going to be like this. And they can't put that back in the bottle. So whether even if the Patriot plan failed in some way, it's woken up this movement that just can't be put back to sleep. Well, honestly, like, I part part of me kind of thinks like the Patriots in control, like the whole plan. It simply is just to wake people up. Yeah. Like, if that if that think about it, what was the Q stuff? It was just a bunch of, as in terms of an operation, it was just a bunch of disclosures, right? Yep. Like, in the form of questions. It didn't actually do anything. Like in terms of an operation, it itself. Like when you think operation, like you think, okay, I'm going to go overseas. I'm going to go and 
into Obama or Osama, Obama, Osama, whatever, go into that house and, and shoot this person. That's an operation, right? Well, this Q operation was simply telling people things or getting them to think for themselves. And so the, w once you start that off, like that, that's what the Q op is to me. It, it, I haven't yeah. even read all the drops, but it was a disclosure operation. And ultimately, the, the plan, the Patriots in control, they are in control of how much gets disclosed. And maybe it's all has been disclosed already. It's just a matter of the timing for when people like realize it. So I, I, maybe that's all it is, is a series of disclosures. Some of them have been disclosed already through the Q stuff. Some of them are going to be disclosed publicly through stolen elections or yeah. who knows, economy crashing, all these things. But at the end of the day, that's that's all it is, is people waking up to the bullshit. And once you wake up, you don't go back to sleep. And then too, once you are awoken, there's so many more things you can do that are actual operational, like actual tangible things like, okay, you you're going to steal an election. Well, now we can actually do something about it because we do have the court of public opinion Yeah, that like you can actually do tangible things once you have enough people with their eyes open. So maybe that's yeah, all man, the Q op operation was. I was joking with you uh, the other night, you know, you, you and the guys privately of saying, oh, I went to like a, a, a local event with my wife, like a sort of adjacent to, to, to town politics. And I'm joking with people like, yeah, I, I think uh, I think I should run and like we should do this, this and that. And I'm like saying it as a joke. But then these people that I never met before are like, yeah, actually, you know, people tried to do that around here 10 years ago, but there wasn't the mandate for it. But now there is for some of these changes to get away from the, the rest of the state and, and do things a little differently and and structure the government differently. Who knows if I'll ever do something like that. Right. But the fact that there's no way that years ago. I would actually have it in my mind leaving this event being like, man, I do know a lot of people locally and I do I do have some connections here. Maybe I actually could start to put something together and change how things are done. Right. And that's just on a tiny little local level. Right. That's just like maybe I could actually influence the direction of my town that my town takes in the next few years. And I know that people like Flynn and Steve Bannon and, and a lot of these people that we consider patriots, that's what they preach. But it's not really until you believe it, you know, that that you actually start thinking like, yeah, local action, we get it. Because we're always thinking about national elections and we're thinking about huge big picture things, the whole plan, the Devo operation. But really, if you just play the game theory of it all, you play the infinite game mindset, if we've got a subset of the American population, call it 5% that are super intelligent, direct path, intentional reasoners that are in the truth community who are now super engaged and super knowledgeable about all these different aspects of government and culture. And they start actually running for local offices and exposing local politicians and everything. Like that's a disaster scenario for the deep state. Yeah. 5% of the American population, 1% of the American population is 30 million people. If that many people or 3 million people, whatever, if that many people are super active in their local governments and exposing things and being the new media and all that kind of stuff, then that's not the type of thing that they can survive, basically. Well, two things. You would be a terrible politician simply for the fact that they have five minute limits on their sport uh, for speeches for filibusters <laughs> oh that's true you'd be great filibuster <laughs> yeah but other than that no but um what you're saying there about like just 
the the power of belief, right? Think of the Matrix. Neo went to the Oracle. The Oracle told him he was not the one. He was not yeah. the one. But still, all it took for him, like he, he just heard what he needed to hear. But still, like he just he started to believe it. Once he believed it, he became the one. Like it's the power of belief, man. Yep. Yeah, man. Anyway. We need a new Kennedy in Massachusetts. And I'll be that person. That can be your slogan. I'm I'm your Kennedy. Yeah. I'm, I'm your, your Kennedy, Kennedy now. Yeah, that has potential. Make the Kennedys great again <laughs> by by electing a not Kennedy. <laughs> not elected Kennedy. Can I go to the bathroom? Do I have permission? I May I? I guess you can. Yeah, I was going to get into rants anyway. Okay, I'll be right back. All right. Oh, so unprofessional. So sorry about that, guys. Uh, I know you guys would all vote for me. And this is just the first step. If I become senator in Massachusetts, take over this state, governor, unwokeify it. Um, I might have to get Sacagawea on board, but after that, then we'll go. We'll go big time. We'll go after the rest of the country. So, I know you guys are in my corner. Tom Terrific sent twenty five bucks over. Said another contribution to the cause. So thank you, Tom. Amy, Amy DRK, Amy V DRK, twenty bucks. What the hell? I can finally watch a live show and I get John instead of Kyle. Jeez, JJ John, you're a great villain. Just J JK John. Um, that's pretty funny. Yeah, Kyle's subverting us, but um, John's a decent villain. Nevada Runner, 17 bucks, says, Working a 12-hour shift tonight defected really helps the time pass. Would you mind keeping it going until 7 a.m.? Bro. Uh, say yes to that question that you may not have heard. What was the what question? I want to say no. What do you think? Just because you want me to say yes. I'm going to say no. I should have reversed psychology. A guy asked us if we could keep going to 7 a.m. because he's working a 12-hour shift. Okay, yeah, definitely no. <laughs> but I thought of your first billboard for your okay. campaign, okay? You know the movie, like, um, like, Tom Hanks is in it, the pirates, Somalian pirates take over the ship, like, I'm your captain now? Yeah. It's a picture of you, like, I'm your Kennedy now. That's solid. That's right? solid. I'll be your campaign advisor. Mm -hmm. or whatever, the guy who runs your campaign. Let me do it. Yeah. I think we could do it. I think we can make some waves. I've got some allies, got some local allies, so we'll make it happen. And if the real Kennedy, Robert, gets in my way, then I'm going to have to subvert him too, but maybe yeah. he'll back me up. Elect Bernie Bright. So I was going to make an incest joke about Jamie Lannister, but I couldn't think of it. So. <laughs> yeah. But something incest. <laughs> Make incest. Great incest again. isn't that bad. Movies <laughs> or stuff. Yeah. Why does somebody say Italian Kennedy? I am not Italian. How dare you? What are you? Compare me to a guinea. Oh. I am. Uh, I am Irish. That's right. My um. Black Irish. My my son. It was his birthday today, by the way. But he's like super into like military stuff. Like he he loves dressing up every time he gets home from I've seen school. Seen him he... in his camo when you're battling yeah. with. Uh... Yeah, we have Nerf gun wars. I send videos yeah. now and then to some of our chats, but he's always wearing the garb and like he knows about Germany and like the Nazis and and whatnot. And then the other day he was talking about like I don't know how we got on this like our where we're from and I was like yeah you you are part German like way back in the day you're you're a little German Hungarian and his face he's just like. <laughs> It's like, I'm one of them. Like, what? Like, he, he couldn't comprehend. It took me a while to explain to him. Like, it was before that. Yeah. Like, we moved over here well before that. But it was really yeah. funny. We all end up being mutts if you look look back long enough. But yeah. Yeah. 
The only people impervious to psychoanalysis, apparently, are the Irish. I've, um, I've always, I hate to even say this with you here, but I always wished I was Irish. I actually have a, yeah. a four-leaf clover tattoo, and I like to claim I'm Irish sometimes, mm. simply for the holiday, but... Yeah. Well. We look down on people like you. In today's society, you can't tell me I'm wrong. I get to say whatever I want to say. I am what I am. How dare you. There are more, uh, there are supposedly more uh, genetically Irish people in the Boston area than there are in Ireland now. How's that possible? It's because we spread like the plague, like the Irish plague when we came over. There was more space over here. Hmm. Spread out. And so many of the Irish left Ireland because it sucked yeah, sure. <laughs> at that time. I did like Ireland, though. I visited there in 2016. Uh, Cranop59 says, going to be interesting. Don't know who I like messing with more, John or Biebs. Biebs wordsmithing is hard to deal with. John is easy. I'm easy. Uh, I'll take it. Thanks, Cranop. I don't, I will say, I don't know how I like the uh, Julian drum calling me Biebs. Call him but Julian Rums. Julian and Rums. He doesn't like that, so just mm -hmm. give it right back. Susie Q says, I love the coffee rant. Got me a French press. Oh, geez. Kyle missed the boat there. He should have, before he went on that rant, he should have had branded merch or yep. like a promo code or something. Missed, yep. missed his opportunity there. 100%. Jan Lee Smith, just want you guys to know you all rock. Sorry I can't give more. Well, thank you, Jan Lee, for the 10 bucks. Much appreciated. Appreciate everything. If you guys can't support financially, which is totally fine, hit the like. Makes a big difference. Last week, we almost got to 6,000 likes. We've been trying to get there. and uh, It's hard to imagine. Give, it would give Kyle something to aim for if we get the record tonight. That would be pretty cool. You'll know the pressure's on. We um So this, we do got it kind of nice on Saturdays because we don't have, like, not many people, like, bigger shows stream on Saturday because it's Saturday. X-22, but, yeah. But we do, um, obviously, the power hour. And so we get number one a lot. But whenever there's a Trump speech, we normally don't. Trump mm -hmm. speech. But last night, there was a Trump speech, and we still beat it. So you guys are great. Wow. But it would be cool for this to be the most liked, defected of all time. I think that would say a lot. Mm -hmm. So do me that favor. Even if you're watching at home on the TV, you can hit that thumbs up now. Yep. Uh, old man T, Trump. Uh, Team Trump has to ha, has to have a way to control the election, or he would never have gotten in in 2016. Uh, we've talked about that before. You know, a lot of theories of that. Um, I kind of impartial to that, but I still think that even if whether that's true or not, we still need to we'd still need to expose our election systems because mm -hmm. you can't rely on that, right? Even if you had like three decades of patriots lined up to be in office that we know are patriots eventually, if our systems are not fixed, somebody's going to get back in there uh, using their bullshit and screw it all up again. Yeah, see, that, that's such a tough one for me. To, like, I go back and forth on this. If if they, I don't know, like, they, they needed the will of the people at some point. Like, I think they needed it in 2016 for him to do what he needed to do in 2020. So he needed to legitimately win that election. Did they actually stop the cheating? I don't know. I don't know. We'll never know. Mm -hmm. We'll never know. Uh, Ginger because says since 10 over says as in, as in 2016 when so many wouldn't say they were voting Trump due to social pressure yet in the booth they did many Democrats are in this position now and will vote Trump that is 
absolutely true. And even if they steal it again, it's still worth them voting that way. And that's that's what I think. I don't, don't even think I said the most obvious point there. But what I think Trump was trying to do with that statement was I think he was talking to the voting doesn't matter crowd and the vote overwhelm the fraud crowd and saying, no matter where you fall in that, you should vote because yeah. we want this mandate. We want we want all these votes in here to to help provide this mandate for, for the change we need and for the exposure we need. Yeah, and this is where sometimes like even some of the people in, in Badlands who, you know, like I, I fully agree with the 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 system is fake crowd, right? Like I, I agree the the system is fake. Like the elections, our elections are fraudulent, fake, whatever. But also I, I understand it from the other side, what I was talking about earlier with Rich Higgins. It's like you still have to operate within the battle space that is presented to you. And right yeah. now that battle space is, hey, we have to vote in these elections. And so- mm -hmm. I'm willing to do that. It's not hard. It's not hard to do. It's not a difficult yeah. thing to to go and vote unless you have to drive like half an hour like you to your movies <laughs> or something. But it, it's easy. It's an easy thing we can do, even if it's just a show of support, even if you know that it's going to be stolen. Like we still need to do it because yeah. that is what is demanded of us. And somehow through this fraudulent system, we are going to come out on the other side of it, yeah. whether they steal it or not. Like we are going to be the ones that get Trump inaugurated. And this is where I say that it's a narrative tightrope that I kind of, uh, I, I've really come to respect and appreciate the difficulty that it must be for, for patriots, you know, Trump, et cetera, to be compelling people to vote, even if they knew, you know, in 2020 that it's going to be stolen because it's, that's a tough tightrope to walk where you're trying to encourage people while knowing that you're also kind of leading them into a wake up path an awakening path. And the reason that I, I find it still to be moral and don't find it to be lying is that they're saying, um, like, we need more people to be affected by this stuff to wake them up because on the long enough timeline, the more people that wake up, the better it's going to get. So even if you're convincing people to vote who didn't vote before and they get rug pulled, that's actually a net positive because then they're going to be engaged. Well, I think it's, it's even harder for them to like the, the people that saw it get stolen in 2020. That's the crowd that they have to keep on board. Yes, for 2024. That's the, that's the toughest one. They're the yeah. toughest one because they, they've seen this happen. They know what's going to happen. The, everybody yeah. else, like the newbies, they're they're not really expecting it. They they think all is hunky dory. The rest of us kind of realize it's not. That those yeah. are the ones you have to keep engaged. And that's kind of maybe why he drops all these subtle hints about the plan and like kind of my second term now and all these other things because he wants us to stay engaged, knowing what we know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Poso for Hope, if you look at the census, they're so bloated worldwide. We are far below 9 trillion people. All governments get paid to bloat its numbers. Many people have checked the data. It's rigged. I do think that's entirely possible. Uh, it's not 9 trillion. It's 9 billion that they say we, we have. Um, we, are I, far, what, we are far below what, 9 trillion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whether whether the 9 billion number is bullshit or not, what I, what I will say, one of the biggest kind of like red pills or awakening things for me is realizing um, as a former liberal, how much of the environmental, uh, the climate change crap was a hoax. And part of the big thing about the climate change hoax is that, oh, we're overpopulated. There's no room left. That's complete bullshit. What, once you sort of start looking into it, you know, who's one of the biggest red pillars on that is Elon Musk, even to his lefty crowd. He's been on Bill Maher and other main, mainstream leftist sort of interviews talking about how it's a myth that um the you the world is overpopulated there's plenty of resources to go around 
But if they create scarcity narratives, then they can control people. Yeah, they're definitely lying about the population numbers because knowing that the earth is flat, right? With so many people in China and India, like it would just, it would just tip, tip over. over, right? Mm -hmm. So it can't be, they're, they're lying to us somewhere. Patrick just hurled his computer through the window, <laughs> cursed us to the heavens. I just said, if knowing the earth is flat, you would, <laughs> you should have seen it. He made such a fool of himself on Friday's Liberty Den. He completely botched his math equation, proving Dude. flat earth. And I'm, I'm just kidding. Like last night's show, he's like, I totally messed up the equation last night. And I was like, yeah, man, <laughs> so embarrassing. Like, but That's yeah, funny. anyway. Jamie's Jamie Saylor says 20 over says, holy F, have you guys started watching the new Netflix show, American Conspiracy, The Octopus Murders? Must watch. I have not. I, I don't really not. even know the premise, actually. Hmm. American, the program. Octopus Murders? The Octopus Murders? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Is it something to do with Reagan? American Why would Octopus and... I've been recovering from the shock of getting bent over by the IRS recently in my tax meeting. So don't, that's don't what even get me started, man. Don't even get me started. Yeah. Not brave I, enough to uh, to screw with that stuff. I just I'm not either. I bend over and I I take it. I take. I had lashes. the I had the discussion with our accountant the other day. I was like, like I need the numbers. I need to know like how much do I pay in fees if I just literally wait as long as possible to pay into next year like so you can ask for extensions and other things and it's like trying to weigh those numbers like yeah is I was it possible the everything too, and they're like you still owe more yeah it's stupid but i have a trailer for that octopus murders if you want to watch it how many octopuses were killed in the making of this i don't know but when i clicked on it it was like there are self-harm things in here so all right let's check it out are you okay with this? It's your show, bro. Yeah. I don't want to step on your toes here. Okay. Reporter Danny Casalero was found dead over the weekend in a motel in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Local authorities quickly ruled his death a suicide. It just didn't, it didn't sit right in my mind. I'm thinking they killed him. The book that Danny was writing he starts looking into these powerful people and realizes there's something much bigger going on. These eight men, they're no longer government officials, but their tentacles can reach into any part of government in almost any country. I've come to call this group the octopus. Most of us were convinced that he had been hurt for him covering this story. If the federal government says, we don't know what you're talking about, it's beyond what a couple of local detectives can do. It all started with the software promise. These programs allegedly allowed the CIA to spy on the intelligence agencies that bought it. The two of them transferred in excess of $40 million. This money was used to buy off. It was a disturbing conspiracy. A lot of people that were on there are dead. All three of them had been shot in the head. We knew who was involved. No one was ever brought to justice. We found the body. There was a wire running from around his neck to his ankles. There's just too many people dead in this case. 
this former NSA guy says, I don't know how you heard that name, but you can get killed just knowing that name. Can you turn the camera off? I told him not to talk to certain people, not to raise certain issues. Danny became obsessed with this story. You have the same curiosity that Danny had. If you think for a minute that you're going to go expose somebody, you're going to get yourself killed. Hmm. I don't know what the premise was originally of that, but that's interesting. A story so dangerous that they were able to do a Netflix documentary on yes, it. That's the thing. So what? why are they allowing this to be documented like this? That's my that's question. What, that's, that's the framing through which you can. it's still worthwhile to engage with these kinds of things is to kind of look for what are they trying to... What, where's the angle? Why are they making this? What are they trying to subvert? Yep. Negative indicator. CanCon says, did you see his South Carolina speech? Quote, what if we could do it quicker than nine months, Mr. Governor? Meaning an election. I thought that was a con for sure. So unlikely to the masses. It, man, it's crazy. It's almost like, yeah, they're, they're, it's like they're play testing everything. And to that specific, I didn't, I didn't see that quote, CanCon, but to that specific one, I think one of the ways of engaging with all of the seemingly competing narratives that Trump has deployed about the 2024 election is if we are in a game theory sort of situation and the enemy gets a vote, uh, no pun intended in this case, that's this sort of uh, scattershot shotgun approach that's going to confuse them. And it might be why we see so much confusion in the media when they're talking about Trump the dictator and, you know, they, they can't they they can't pick a direction to go in part of that might be because trump is saying we're going to win it in one breath and then we're not going to have an election in the next one you know when, when i see that i'm almost thinking like okay what, what when he says that what if we could do it quicker than nine months like in terms of an election mm -hmm. is he saying about coming back quicker than nine months or sooner than nine because it's nine months away I'd have to listen to it in context. Yeah. But I'm still thinking like... KenCon's saying it refers to an election. I mean... Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to look at this hmm. in context. Because my first thought was like... In terms special of like... Hold, election? Holding an election? Yeah, like a special election. Like what if... Okay, the Bidens try to postpone it. And then they like rule that against triggers. doing that. And then it like they do this really quick, short notice type of special election type thing. But if he's talking about what if we can come back quicker or sooner, that's different. So I don't know. Yeah. Not really get the Tattoo teacher says, this is a great question. OG Wiz, Burning Bright, what if the left rigs the vote for Trump to win by numbers that go beyond registered voters? Then the left accuses him of rigging the vote. Um, I find that specific scenario to be a little unlikely, but I do definitely agree. You know, Kyle talks about this a lot with the mirror theory. I certainly agree that they're going to accuse him of everything that they did. That's that's par for the course of what they do. So, yeah, I don't see. I just don't know what order in which that's going to happen. At the end of the day, it's about who has the actual will of the people, right? I think no matter what this election, Trump's going to have it. So if they rig it for Trump and then they go and like examine stuff and, oh yeah, there's a bunch of cheating, but hey, Trump still won. I'm fine with that, but I think it's yeah. going to be the other way around. Yeah. My, my favorite scenario that probably won't happen, my absolute favorite scenario has been Trump wins. We, we overwhelm the fraud, but we also get wholesale election reform because the left accuses him of rigging it. He agrees to an audit. 
and the audit reveals that the left cheated overwhelmingly, still lost, but that yep. it still provides the mandate for him being like, well, we need to change this going forward so that... That would be awesome. But th that's that would what be happened. like the most positive version. That, that's what happened in 2016, though. Trump won. And they were yeah. they the left flirted with the topic of like oh Trump cheated Russian collusion all these other right. things, but then they, they wouldn't go, go far enough to like demand looking into it because the most important thing at the end of the day to them was protecting their system, and right. that's if we get through this this election and into his second term, and but whatever he leaves and we have not fixed our election system we have lost, yeah it's over. But I and I could see I agree with you that they're not gonna like they flirted with it but they're not gonna dip their toes all the way in there. It would be hilarious if Trump, the winner, was like, no, let's do it. Let's do it. Yep. Let's audit the whole thing. Yep. And then it, it's determined that like, oh, I didn't get any fake votes, but Joe did. And we still beat him. That would be cool. That, uh, I, li I like that scenario. Because that's kind of like the most, the least traumatic that gets us to the same endpoint of being like, actually, this was fake, but there were so much support that in this specific case, we still won, even though it was a fake election. <laughs> but the thing is, is like, even through an audit of sorts, like you still have so many people in places of power that yeah. can do the audits and do all these other things and like down ballot. Like, I don't think we get the actual reform we need or the mandate for it without like some shock to the system. Yeah. But you're definitely, you're definitely right that it would be less traumatic if Trump just wins and then we still get the audit. But I don't think we get it if Trump wins. Yeah. I think we need the shock to the system. Yeah. We'll see. We Mom to four, 44. I'm really glad you, two, you are preparing us for a cheat loss. It's a different country this time. The public mandate will be clearly for Trump. He can pull out the big guns this time, figuratively, but ugh. And that's it. I think that uh, we underestimate how far the public mandate has shifted during the Biden administration, Joe Biden's been the biggest red pill ever, and he's helped us a lot with public mandate. Yeah, you and your mandates. Pop, yeah, I love mandates. Papa DB says military watched elections. They absolutely do. We believe so. When do they get involved? Yeah. Sherry, 1321, 20 bucks. What better way to illustrate than their protectionism? Um, I think this was in reference to the idea of Biden not sort of abdicating, you know, them trying to stay in power. And yeah, it shows that they're pr protecting their system. Yep. Kurt sends 20 over. Hey, JH and BB, been a while since the last ramp, but made a move from Colorado to Florida and Good have been you. getting my business off the ground. Appreciate the commitment you all have. Depending on the business, we are always looking for America First sponsors, bro. True. Yeah, congrats yeah. on the move. That seems like a good, uh, that seems like a good move. I'm, Every year at tax time, I, you know, it's, I'm of two minds. I'm like, I love Massachusetts in some ways. I have a lot of, obviously my whole history is here and everything. Every once in a while, you're like, man, should we just get out of here with the tax situation and everything? But then there's also the other part of me that's like, if we keep abandoning these once mm -hmm. great states, they're just going to devolve further into shitholes. Also, you don't have the political connections to run for office like you do. In Florida, right like you do yeah. in Massachusetts. So if and, and what would be better? I go to a state that's already red and doing pretty well, or I turn around one that sucks. Or you run for office and get everybody else to leave the state because of you. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm okay with that. Me yep. too. Rule over the ashes. There I like you go. It. <laughs> I like it. 
The American Spotlight, BB and John, have you ever dove into the Law of War manual connection to Q? For example, 11.3 wasn't a date, but a reference to the chapter in Law of War manual worth looking into. Yes, I've I've read through the Law of War manual multiple times, like more than I'm proud of, like front to back. Well, I guess it's not really front to back if it's a PDF, top to bottom. Yeah. And I I couldn't get it, but also I didn't read the Q drop, so maybe I couldn't find the connection that way, but I couldn't find the devolution connection cognitive government connection I, um, that's just me i see people talking about southern states i can't deal with that swampy heat i need i think more people need to like need to consider north dakota i'm telling you i'm excited to see north uh, i'm excited to see the dakotas in the yeah. summer i Regard. think it's my my kind of place you know you guys can come people there i don't know you can hang out i got i got room now i got a basement you can sleep in like I will man. join your son in the Nerf war to end all Nerf, Nerf wars. We can have a tack right spectacular extravaganza. Dude, I, I tell you what, th this house, like it's so weird in terms of levels. Like it's, it's and it's so funny to listen to my kids say it, it's like the house is seven, seven, um, seven floors. I'm like, no, it doesn't have seven floors. It has seven levels. Like it's a multi-level house that like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's so That's perfect cool. for, for Nerf guns. Nice. At, yeah, you, you've seen the videos. Like it, it, yeah. my kids just love it. Actually, a couple of weekends ago, I had my my buddy over. I mean, maybe I talked about this already, but he brought his two kids, and I had my two kids, and so we were just like wars two up. and a half, three hours straight of Nerf gun wars. Is nice, just so the fun. way it should be. Yeah, I like my chances. Mm. Uh, Texas Jules, <laughs> my son. <laughs> now got, I think I need to. Last last <laughs> thing, my son got like six new nerf gun nerf guns today for his birthday party so and we do not supply you'll have to bring your own all right hmm so suck it get them through customs yeah, be we'll tricky. See. texas jewels now i think i need to plan to come to guard six in november too it'll either be a huge celebration or a huge support group guard grand slam yeah that's what we said when we were talking about the november guard we were like either way we're all gonna want to be hanging out uh, yeah. after the election we're going to be partying or, yeah, I don't know. Crying. It'll be fun either way. <laughs> no, no, it'll be good either way. Kits go, he said, and if they cheat, because we will catch them and then do things never done before regarding 45's comment. Yep. Interesting way to frame things. Yeah. Dogs and baskets. Discuss this scenario. Military watched and run election under a devolution-based military junta. In the context of narrative warfare, this scenario could play out with Trump getting 80% of the vote. Military watch and run election. Um, yeah, I, I just think that you know, in the in the in the scenarios of a military run election, I don't think that's that's outlandish. But I think that we need the public mandate for a military run election. You can't just do that. Uh, you've you've got to have people on board. So what's the story going to be that gets people on board to that? Yep, and, and then also what... too, like think of the mainstream media lately and their framing of, like I think I just saw something recently where they put out a note. Like, hey, we're going to take a day where we all talk about the extremists in the ranks or something. I don't remember the exact framing of it, but they're kind of seeding that narrative about, oh, well, maybe maybe the military is all Trump people. And so is that even the necessary route we want to go? I, I don't know what the solution is. And honestly, yeah. the solution to how this plays out and ultimately how elections are even done or how they do the special election or whatever, if we get one, I, I'm assuming it's something probably none of us have actually thought of. Yeah, most likely. 
yeah. non-linear. But it's good to be flexible and consider all possibilities. Uh, Kurt, Kurt says again, 10 bucks. MSM is absolutely reacting to Trump's more direct rhetoric. They know their time is winding down to be blunt and cue. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that they're panicking in the media. Um, I know X-22 has been saying that for years, but I think he's correct this time. <laughs> it's uh, they're... <laughs> They're more they're in this, correct as time goes. Yeah, on. they are. They're in. They're in a panic pattern. They're they're sort of. Uh, they're freaking out constantly. Now they're talking about the latest. The latest deployment over the weekend is. Um, I mean, they're basically going full on just racist, anti-white Christians. Like they're the they're they're extremists, and it's like, man, they're just getting way well, too direct. What I found interesting, we talked about this last night in the Power Hour, is so a couple of weeks ago, Mike Benz is on with with Tucker Carlson talking about the disinformation stuff. And, and I'm hoping to be interviewing him next week. I'm, I'm going to reach out to him this coming week to confirm the details and we'll announce it, whatever. But um, anyway, all of a sudden the left comes out with their own, like this, this girl, gal, whatever. And she's all about how disinformation is the biggest threat. Like she is yeah, their right. version of the Mike Benz, just much more retarded and, and female, but it's, it's interesting. Like they're, they are pushing the line now with this rhetoric that they're going to criminalize disinformation. Like that's the push they're going to make lead yeah. up to this election. I feel like. Yep. Well, they're coming after us then. Yeah. This is what it is. If I'm already a criminal for disinformation, does that mean <clears throat> I don't have to pay my taxes then? Because I'm already a criminal. Right. Right. Oh, fucking taxes. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Uh, the Abe theory 21 says I talked to BB's trainer. He said that was training that he said that was training. That was more Benson soap play. <laughs> JK BB. I enjoy hearing your MMA illustration. Uh, no soap play. No soap play in my training. Um, although I used to have to bathe with specialty antibacterial soap because once you get <laughs> ringworm from these training facilities, you don't want that again. Well, yeah, I, my kids both had ringworm for a spell and it took forever to get rid of. I thought you were going somewhere else with that. I once uh, had to bathe <laughs> say, like, with my trainer. Or something. <laughs> nope. Wasn't that kind of gym. Hmm. <clears throat> Mesmerist, hi, John and BB. You guys are time travelers, literally. Your YouTube channel's in the future by about 40 seconds. How do you do that? Can't that powerful? We can secret. astral project into the future and front run our own narratives in real time. It's pretty crazy, huh? And it should only be ahead about 16 seconds. But <clears throat> but yeah, it's in the future. Where we go on, we go all Joe sends 20 over. I think Joe had sent in very generous rants uh, last week to the power hour. Yeah, I think about, I yeah, it was about so, $900 worth. So... Thank you very much. Where we go on, we go all. Says Bitcoin, I would say, is we the people base not done by the deep state, so he allows it because it's freedom. But ultimately, imagine we're going to the dollar and back by gold, not a central system. I'll say again, I think you get you can have both scenarios. Um, <clears throat> I see Bitcoin as a parallel system or a foundational layer. Um, even if we're not transacting as a full economy in Bitcoin in the future, you can have U.S. dollars backed by commodities, et cetera, or even backed by Bitcoin or a package of things, and you can still transact in and out of Bitcoin. The beauty of Bitcoin is that you can be decentralized, not national, but we're still going to have our national currency, right? They can be two different things. Also, Bitcoin is life. So, I mean, I think yeah. that's that's just yeah. it. Mm-hmm. 
Kurt, again, 20 bucks. I believe Trump did something in his first term to reduce the reach IRS has, similar to Biden's lack of military control. Buy Bitcoin and gold, silver. Stop paying the IRS. Yeah. Yep, like I said, I'm not just saying it because I'm on camera. I uh, I think that what you just said is possible. It keeps me awake at night, but I still, I bend over like a good little subject and I take, I take, I, I don't even take my IRS beating. I just pay them the bribes ahead of time. I you pay you my drop, estimated taxes. You drop that Benson Honey Farm soap and let the IRS yep. do its yep. thing. I'm I with you though. Have their way. Yeah, I just I, do it. I've said before that it's not even it's because of my kids like if yeah i would be much more i'd have a i'd have a bigger ball sack if i didn't have kids to worry about and think about yeah. but unfortunately actually. that's how just be it's good to be honest about it like i that's how i think of them too but you know if i wanted to take my house take mrs bright's house etc um if the people who are acting that way are correct then the reward is being self-actualizing and not bending over for the irs, IRS. the reward is they they will have more bitcoin because they had more money yep. to spend by not paying taxes yep what keeps happening to me is i send in the estimated payments and then i find out every time that i'm short no matter what i do <laughs> so yeah. that's uh that seems to be the way it goes <clears throat> mesmerist sends nine bucks over i bought i brought three bitcoins roughly 10 years ago when they were three thousand dollars each killing it now damn good on you yeah, you hear those stories of people like, yeah, I bought, yeah. I bought a couple hundred Bitcoin and it was like six cents. Like, so oh, she's cool. in for nine thousand Australian dollars, and that means she's right around, you know, two hundred and fifty thousand or so right now. But it's fake. It's fake, right? What if she the could power buy goes a out? house with it? She could buy a house with those three Bitcoin right now, but it's fake. Yeah. So she's just know. not considering if the power went out, how screwed she'd be. Yeah. So really, I mean, you should you should honestly just get rid of it. Just reach out. I'll yeah. I'll take it off your hands. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put my um, receive address out here, and you can just get those off your hands. They're a bunch of crap. <laughs> uh, JD JD Brem sent a hundred bucks over. Wow, much appreciated. And said BB yes run. She must I'm be. I'm of two minds about it. She must be run competition in your state. I don't know. She, she wants you to run. How dare you! I'm just kidding, bro. <laughs> I met a guy. So weird little thing. I was in Canada like six months ago with uh, Mrs. Bright's family. And they've got a neighbor, new new neighbors. They're kind of a weird couple. And they're telling us before we met this couple, they're older, like in their 50s. And they're like, yeah, so the uh, the wife, her ex-husband died in a in a home explosion. And now she's dating his friend, who's a contractor. <laughs> and I'm like, what? hold on, hold on. Did she murder? <laughs> like, for sure, for sure. So I meet them. I'm like, well, that's quite a way to set us up for like this dinner, this dinner date. But we meet these people. And, you know, the guy's cool. He's an Italian guy. Of course, he's Italian, right? Yeah. And like. We're hanging out or whatever, but I was talking about politics. He's like, yeah, you know, you know like he, he was kind of like a MAGA type guy, even though he's Canadian. What's going on over there? Shit fell. Nothing. Oh, okay. Um, so he's talking about politics and he's like, yeah, so, uh, so I heard like maybe down the line you might get involved in politics. 
And I'm like, I don't know, maybe someday. And he's like, well, if you ever, if anybody ever gives any problems, like I know people in that area, right? But the guy introduces himself to me as just like a cement contractor, which is so funny that it's cement, given the conspiracy yeah. theories about that. So he's telling me, like, if anybody gives you any trouble, just let me know. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. Ha <laughs> ha. He was like, no, really. If anyone, if anyone ever gives you any trouble, like I know a lot of people there. So I left being like, well, that was nice of him. But also they for sure (laughs) killed that guy. guy. (laughs) 100% chance when the house blew up, she was on a, she was on a Caribbean Island. Yeah, that definitely a contractor who specializes in small, small gas explosions or something. Yeah. So I mean, Hey man, I still. I'm not telling anybody if you're watching the show. I didn't tell anybody nothing. And uh, I <laughs> will let everybody. you know if anybody gives me some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. Yeah. Uh, Big Dolores says, great show, guys. Voted today in California. Steve Garvey. No shifty shift. For you. Good stuff. Uh, Ildi the Hun. WTF, how do we defect without Kyle? I hope you... I think we did a good enough job. We defected. We'll see on the thumbs up, guys. Please. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's do it. Sparrow64 sent 100 bucks over. Much Ooh. appreciated. And said, BB, if you run for office, you, your platform can start with shark awareness. Love you guys. That could that could be a, a useful platform in Massachusetts these days. Could be. Sharks, erections everywhere. Could be. Th- those definitely. one or two shark victims out there will definitely support your campaign, man. Yep. Uh, uh, Mrs. Bride showed my cousin last week the uh, shark compilation that Green Star put together. They were like, man, I thought you were doing political podcasts or something. I was like, well, in between shark rants. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, Godwin73 says, Danny Ca- Casalaro was a journalist suicided a la Gary Webb. He called the web of deep state corruption he was tracking the octopus. Why this is on Netflix now is a good question. Okay, hmm. thank you for the context. That's interesting. Very interesting. I might have to Kurt, check that out. Yeah. And last After I one. I Game of Thrones. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, how dare you? Don't don't justify that. <laughs> Horrible show. Kurt sends another ten and says, "Tisk tisk tisk." Sounds like you guys are still living in fear. I think this is regarding the IRS. Yeah. Fully admit it. Here's another thing that I'll say. I'm not saying that we're this a big deal, but little for the targeted. people with their little comments. When you're putting yourself out very publicly and you're talking about not paying taxes and stuff like that, not a great plan. Because even if they wouldn't normally go after you, uh, they are extra incentivized to be like, you know what? We should go after him because it's a deterrent. So I'm very aware of that. I'm sure John is very aware of that. And he's running a company that employs other people, right? So it's all about your own risk level. We pay our taxes. They've to gotten avoid that kind of stuff. They've gotten involved in my divorce. I got to imagine they would jump at the opportunity to get involved in my financial situation, given the opportunity. So I try not to give them that opportunity yet. What do you say about Trump earlier? You know, he's he's bound by the uh, the battlefield. Rich Higgins. The battle space. Right, the battle space. That's kind of how I think of it. That's how mm. I think of paying taxes. I'm like, this is a tactical concession i am making on the battle space yep. that's how i feel better hard to stream from jail yeah it's from what i've heard but my bum hurts just thinking about it freight awakening but you're used to, to that sensation aren't you 
Yeah, it's true. The Benson's honey soap helps with that. Takes the swelling right down. Afraid Awakening, I go to my Rumble following thing. It has RSB with a live replay of Trump's speech. Makes sense to anyone, Moab. RSB like always has just a constant live replay going yeah. of something. Kind of gay. Yeah. All right. Do we have any boosts in here? I don't see any boosts tonight. But uh, yeah, if you guys are watching on replay, if you want to send anything in that we'll get to next week, uh, I think Kyle will be back, but try to let you guys know. Uh, and now not loud just came in and said, do you only read certain prices? Uh, we did talk about that a few months ago, and I get that some people don't like it, but you have to keep in mind if we get like $21 rants, we can't, we can't do it. So we do try to sort of wait. If we don't get many rants on a show, we do read a lot of those, but we just literally can't spend the time to do that or else the entire show is just going to be rumble rants. So yes, but uh, hope you know that now. But thank you for your contribution. $5 or more, guys. Yeah. Is what it is. Uh, that's, that's all we got, I think. Thanks for joining the show. And How do you guys end it? Do you end with the intro again? Um, we used to, but I think lately Kyle's just been playing the uh, Badlands outro. Okay, I don't think I have that pulled up. And so, JB Rao sent over $10, a $10 rant that says $10. So thank you for that. It's Inception, mm-hmm. rantception. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, how about we end with the Andrew Breitbart famous little quote thing? All right. Okay. Let's do it. Well, I can nice do uh, out, before, before Breitbart's, I can do Kyle's little outro, which is that remember, everyone's trying to program you. Don't let them program yourself. Kyle, hope you feel better soon. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for having me on. Catch you later. All the people that have gone out there against the mainstream media and said, you're going to call us racist. You're going to call us potential Timothy McVeigh's. Fuck you. Thank you.